Hi, this is Dennis Kitchen. I've been in this business forever. I'm ready to talk about it on 11 o'clock comics. Spectacular. Okay. Write that down in the books. Uh, the, book? the book. I don't know who keeps the book or who's going to write in it, but... <laughs> the book. One of my favorite scenes from uh, Armageddon where he's looking through his big ass telescope and his wife comes in with dinner and, and he sees the asteroid come in and he just screams at her, get the book, get the and he just, she's running out of the room to the, the barn or whatever to get it and, and he just keeps screaming, get the book and it's it's a hilarious, I mean it, yeah. I enjoy the movie, it's it's a silly movie, it's ridiculous. It's a very silly movie. But it is, but but there are a lot of, and then there's there's the part where where Chick goes to see his uh, his son because the wife wants, and and it just it 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 breaks your heart. But it's there, there's more good in that movie than bad. I I do enjoy it. I I can sit back and watch it anytime. And we hope that you can sit back and listen to us anytime because this is eleven o'clock comics episode seven hundred and eighty seven. I love the palindrome episodes. Mm. Yeah, mm. and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. This is not Ebert and Roper. I am David A. Price. That is true. And of course, you know me. I am Arthur Harrow. I'm going to put my fist up Conchu's ass. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> no, you're not, Arthur. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And if you want to put your fist up the ass of savings, there's only one place to go. <laughs> That's Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. One more time, write this down, dcbservice.com. Have the books you want at the price you want to pay. Now, roll out that red carpet because this savings is going to get exponentially bigger because the specials are up. And I have selected three. Here we go. From Image, 8 Billion Genies, number one, written by Charles Soule, art by Ryan Browne. This is a series premiere. Here's the pitch. If you had one wish, just one, what would you wish for? Now, what if everybody else had one wish too? Mm, that's 8 Billion Genies, the new eight-issue series from Charles Soule and Ryan Browne, both of whom worked on Curse Words. And we know Ryan from God Hates Astronauts and many things. He's a frequent guest of our show. At exactly the same moment, everyone on Earth gets a genie and one wish. All hell breaks loose in a very entertaining way. And that's just the beginning. Buckle in for the wildest ride of the year. And it makes my heart expand to see that there is a little uh, fellow featured in this book that can hopefully be made into an a figure just like 3d cowboy from god hates astronauts not astronauts so uh smart really smart again to have a little um uh, another uh, merchandising uh, stream but uh this comes from image comics of course 3.99 cover price what are they going to pay tell them Dollar ninety nine. Exactly, right on the mark. Um, Greg, uh, let's see. The next up is from uh, Dark Horse. Nick Lowe is not dead. 
but if he was, he would probably be rolling over his grave at this title. It's a Shaolin Cowboy, a new Shaolin Cowboy miniseries, which is called Cruel to be Kin. One of seven, they lost the D, by Jeff Darrow. And I think the solicit for this is hilarious because they're poking fun at the fortunes of another company and they're calling this Phase 4 of the SCU, the Shaolin Cowboy universe. The Shaolin Cowboy finds his parenting skills being tested when he is forced to homeschool during a pandemic of unparalleled violence. In this story torn from yesterday's viral Twitter feeds, can he get a kung fu grip on the situation before a horde of 45 caliber loving monsters and not so human monsters send him to the ICU? Only guns, swords, and flying guillotines will tell. Lots of exclamation points. And I don't know what this means, but there's an, an, uh, an A-M-I-T-O-U-F-U. What does that mean? Wait, say it again. A-M-I-T-O-U-F-U. O-U-F-U. That's the last part of the solicit. It has a bunch of exclamation points after it. Don't know. I thought Dap would know. But, oh, man. I don't know. I'm guessing the last part's fuck you, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, so anyway, one-man band, Jeff Darrow, cover price, four ninety nine. You're laughing and skipping because you know you're not paying that. You're going to pay $2.49. That's 50% off. Last but not least, from Seven Seas, who are destroying it lately, this is Colorless, Volume 1, written and drawn by Kent. Here is the, uh, the lowdown. A stylish noir punk thriller set in a world stripped of its color and humanity. A cosmic disaster changed the Earth forever, stripping away every last drop of color from the world. Mankind also changed. The familiar human face is almost forgotten in a world now populated wholly by mutants. Against the backdrop of a moody urban landscape, a lone wolf investigator named Avida relies on both his wits and extraordinary gun to hunt down the world's last hidden scraps of color. That's weird. He soon crosses paths with a very special girl, one who just might hold the key to bringing back what the world has lost. This visually striking manga series is presented in two-tone printing that contrasts a gritty, monochromatic world with sudden electric splashes of neon color. I cannot wait. Cover price on this is $14.99. Your price? $8.99. That's 40% off. Do the math. If you want to save, you go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Go there and order more than you usually get. That's the thing. You save, and so you divert that savings into just buying more comics. It's not rocket science. More bang for your book. It's try. I like that. How did, uh, how did you spell a match food before? A-M-I-T? A-M-I-T-O-U-F-U. O-U? O-U. No, O-U. It's a common phrase used in uh, Shaolin and throughout the Chinese Buddhist traditions. What is it? Well, see, this is... It's not an anagram? 
No, no, it's not. It's it's a common phrase. It's a. Uh, it it seems as though it's a salutation, but it but here it's spelled A M I T U O F O. Well, they could have someone typing in this. Yeah, tech, screwed it up. Could have screwed it up. Well, now we know. Thank you, Dap. Dap's always on the on the money when it comes to information. That's his job. It's his job. J-O-B. Yes. What we got? I don't know about y'all, but I'm laid back and breezy tonight. Nice. Oh, yeah. Did hole in the box of briefs? Uh, kind of. Okay. Front and back. But anyway. Nice. Claps. Um, yes. Claps. Claps <laughs> tonight. I am, I'm drinking 19 Crimes. Okay. Specifically, The Banished, which is a dark red from 2020. Yeah, I like that. Have you noticed? I just picked up on this. There is a uh, a man on the label, and it says The oh. Banished, and his face is all scratched out, much yeah. like Leatherface scratched out. The faces of um, the people he murdered in Texas Chainsaw 3D. But the scratches are embossed. I did not notice that. That is a nice, <laughs> that's a very nice touch. The label's smooth, but when you touch the scratches, it has a, they're, they're, they're um, debossed, let's just say. Very nice. I like it, it. it. It's a history lesson with the 19 crimes, because, you know, of course, it's, they were banished to Australia because uh, it's the penal colony, and and you kind of you kind of maybe find out um, you know why any other particular people are on the label. Did you know that there's an app, Vince, that you can uh, that that'll bring the labels to life? Don't tease me, Dap. Not, not. I'll, I'll have to check it out. Hey, there's an app for freaking everything. There is, there is. But yeah, it's a, it, it's an AR thing. It brings the labels to life. Walking Dead Wine had it also, but yeah. I like what you it. got, Jason? Nothing says Prime Vintner like they are Primes, apps. baby. That's right. That's when you know. That's, that's when you know. Big leagues. See, that's not it's right. like uh, I'm waiting for Petrus to put out there. A- a- AR apps and caviar. Camus mm. is going to launch an app any day. See, um, I, I don't think you're going to make any friends with that kind of talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am drinking... Uh, Gatorade Zero Lemon Lime. Got to get them electrolytes back. Got to, dude. Yeah. Sweating them yep. out. Sweating to the oldies. Yep. Dap, save us. You're our only uh, hope. I am. Uh, well, because I knew you were going to have wine tonight, I decided to have wine myself. This is a uh, a Cabernet Sauvignon Ooh. from 2020. Um, it is called Surreal, because Surreal does it for the love of grapes and the winemaking legacy passed down to him. It's the quest of always keeping it real, sir. This is from Chronic Cellars and uh, from Paso Robles. And it is really tasty. Wow. And I dig the little label. I was looking at the one you talked about maybe two weeks ago that you really liked. You, someone yeah, suggested... Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, I couldn't remember yeah. the name. <laughs> I was hoping, I was hoping something would spark my memory. Unrated. I, I finished. I, I had, I had a swallow left in the bottle, so I, I had that while I made my wife's dinner, and then uh, I cracked this open for tonight. Nice. 
Nice. I, I was going to do the same when I was making my wife's dinner, but the, the TV dinners don't take that long to cook. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got a, oh. I got a million of them. Uh, be here all a week. Yeah, I think I'm done with IPA. Really? Yeah. Oh. I don't know what it is. I had uh, yesterday was my niece's birthday party, and my brother-in-law always has a fine selection of IPAs. Right. And I I had two beers. Two. One was a twelve. One was a sixteen ounce. We got home at ten o'clock. I fell asleep. I slept through my alarm this morning. I don't know how much alcohol was in the second one I had, but I, I think it's the combination of the hops and the high alcohol. It just kicks me in the ass. I would much, yeah. much rather drink the wine. So, well, they for, made me feel like I had, like I had colon cancer. So I'm with you. Yeah, for right now, well, God, forbid, Kirby forbid it. Right now, I'm, I'm just going to focus exclusively on the wines. No, no Love more it. IPAs. No, dude, I can't wait when we're holding court at Heroes. With all our peoples at the Western Bar drinking fucking cab, dude. It's yeah. Gonna lit. Yes. It's going to be lit. By the way, speaking of things uh, that we need to, uh, to to talk about. Yes. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't, uh, before we jump into the comics talk, raise uh, our glasses. I know I'm not drinking alcohol. So Doesn't matter. Yeah. Raise our glasses because uh, the the comics fandom world lost a really good one this week. Uh, one that, um, y- you know, uh, certainly we've we've been around a long time. We lots of people know us. We've get, had the privilege of meeting tons of people through the show and, and, and the, the broader community. But, you know, I don't think there's a person that we know through comics podcasting that doesn't also know this gentleman have fond memories of him and that is mr jim Dietz, yeah who passed away uh this week leaving his uh wife melanie and uh their kids um behind and uh you know we i'm sure we all each have our own stories about jim but yeah you know as i shared i i when you know the three of us basically met as as have many really sort of comics podcasting people through the comic geek speak community and um, way back in the day, and I think that's that's how I met Jim. I assume that's how you guys met Jim. Jim at the time was was uh, he's a, was a great chef, and he he and his wife owned a restaurant called the Gypsy Cafe in in near, near Pittsburgh. And the Geek Speak guys and a bunch of people would go out to the Pittsburgh Con. I believe that's where the Geek Speak guys met Mario for the first time, and Sean Pryor and a bunch of others, and Dave Wachter. And uh, it was really one of the first big hangouts, and Jim was an early part of that community. He was one of the first people to ever engage me in conversation online about comics, and uh, he was just an awesome dude, and one of those people that always brought positivity to our, you know, EOC community and, and the No Apologies community and the Geek Speak community, and um, was just a, a lover of all things nerdy, and uh, yeah. it's a damn shame. I, you know, he was somewhere between my age and and your age Vince you know I think he was probably in his early 50s but way too soon for a for a, a, a dude that was just nothing but positive to everybody that knew him so yeah yeah Godspeed my man yes sir but on a on a more positive well on a lighter note um we have a bunch of shout outs because oh ha- yeah we've had an infusion of uh patrons some people are coming back home too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and who might they be? Uh, well, um, in in no particular order, because uh, I just grabbed them from 
from the Patreon site. Uh, two people who absolutely blew me away because I was totally surprised. Um, because they they are brothers, they are roommates. They uh, they they are they are North Carolina boys. Uh, there's Cliff Lewis and Justin Lowback, and um, we chat with them pretty much daily as it is. But to see them now uh, as part of um, the Slack crew, will uh, the the EOC Slack crew will be much more fun. Um, oh, no and this doubt. way, it'll also um, let the slackers who are going to be with us at heroes, um, get to know our friends a little, um, a little more as well. Um, there's also a Mr. David Jordan, not the one we're familiar with unless right. he moved. Um, well, he does move a lot, but I was, so it's interesting cause you wrote David Jordan here and I was thinking, yes. Oh, is that because you want to indicate it's not Dave Jordan, longtime friend of the show? I assumed it was, but, but maybe you're right. Uh, cause this David Jordan, leaves in wisconsin and i don't think our friend no, Dave jordan think, yeah, no, left yeah. uh new mexico okay okay um john saavedra with two a's makes and, me think uh, it's scott saavedra it Doesn't does it, right it does and maybe and maybe that is maybe it should be john saavedra so um i either way i'm trying to cover my bases there and uh raymond lowell so thank you one and all for yeah joining us and uh for hanging out with us where you do and 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 just i've to get slept last... with some of these guys yes you have yeah, oh, well not sure. the way i sleep with mario but i've slept with well, them i mean come on there's there's no way there is only one way to sleep with mario and then yeah he kind of ruins you for everybody else um and just for a little bit of um housekeeping uh might as well just throw this out there there is a for those of you who may have missed the boat on um on the new eleven o'clock comics album art for t shirts or mugs or tote bags or whatever, T Public is offering is having a sale right now until Sunday until the thirteenth. Um you can get t shirts for like thirteen bucks and uh travel mugs for twenty up to thirty five percent off in like all the departments that are there. Go to um bit.ly b-i-t dot l-y uh slash three capital k s six capital z w-k that gets you right to uh t public or to make life easier you can go just go to podchaser.com look for 11 o'clock comics and there's a merch link there and you can find it but um i can even I, make it what? easier if you send me the link i'll put it in the the uh episode thread it's, under it's right there in uh, in 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 our uh 787 thread all right Snark, so boom snarky yeah. bitch that's right so uh so yeah so um i want to see t-shirts at heroes i don't see this link here where'd you put it but anyway it's... 787 it's under there oh look oh, at and it. i haven't even talked to you guys about this but i've decided i made the unilateral decision but i'm sure you'll be cosigned that we're going to have a special gift for eoc people at the at heroes con That works for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I don't. I don't want to give it away, so I will. Uh, I'll, I'll put it here in the chat. What I'm talking about. You guys don't be. I'm sure you'll be instantly down. Hold on. This is weird. <laughs> when I when I click on the link for eleven o'clock comics T-shirts, I get a lot of Stranger Things T-shirts coming up. I mean, they're cool, but but they're not I endorsed wonder. by us. 
Yeah, that is weird. Okay, yeah, don't don't use that one then. Forget forget that bit.ly link I sent you all. Um, we'll have a new just one. go to the episode. Yeah, or yeah. Do, like go to Podchaser and 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 hit the merch link. But yeah, either go. way. Okay, uh, we got to talk about comics because that's why people tune in. It is true. It yes. is yeah, true. I can't argue with that. And uh, so uh, Jason usually starts it off. I do. Uh, yeah, more often than not. Really? Yes. Uh, no, that's that's, Wait, that's iffy. Yeah, I never that's... go. I never go first. And oh my! I, I don't. I guess I don't think of us as having a particular order. Uh, of... Hey, I can go because I have a lot of things I want to talk about. So if you just want to pass the mic, that's fine. I mean, as a Beastie Boys fan, I'm always willing to pass the mic. Right. Me too. It's always bittersweet when I listen to them anymore. Yeah. You mean because they're yeah. expanded, half yeah. one of them's dead? Yes. Yes. I miss Adam. So. Yeah, man. I mean. But anyway, um, so I um, took the advice of one of our uh, Slack brothers, and uh, his name is David Bloomer. And one one time on the Slack, he he posted, "Hey, um, I got my new mystery mail from Desert Island. Anybody else in on this?" And I was like, "What is this?" Because I didn't know about it. Well, uh, Desert Island, the famous Brooklyn comic shop, has a monthly surprise box where, for a uh, particular amount each month, you get a box of books. And this is the part that really plucked at my heartstrings because I love this. You don't know what you're going to get. Hence the title, Mystery Mail, right? Okay. That is the, I I am unable to resist something like that. If you tell me I'm going to have a surprise every month and it's going to be comics, take my money. Just take it. So I think it's like 38 bucks, postage included, for the month. So I signed up, and I was like, oh, let's just see what we get. My first month, I received, got them right here, um, mini comics, uh, Grixley, number 47, number 53, and number 54, all of which have contributions by Victor Cairo. You remember Victor Cairo, who was on here a long time ago? Yes. Yeah, love him. But uh, among other things, I received Matt Lisniewski's The Freak. Okay. Um, the latest, Smoke Signal, which is a one-man show by Jordan Crane, which I was hoping to get. If not, I would have ordered it myself because I have all the Smoke Signals. They're excellent. And I also got from Ad House Books, Young Francis from Hartley Lynn. It's a hardcover. So I totaled it up, and the price was the the amount of book I received was more than I paid. But this month, they went over and above my expectations. I received King Cat Comics and Stories number eighty one by John Porcelino. Everybody knows John, right? Love King Cat. Shut up, phone. A book called Extended Play by Jake Terrell. T-E-R-R-E-L-L, which, again, is so far up my alley, you can't even believe it. I'll post images of the art if y'all want to see it. But the last 
thing I got was an anthology called Mirror Mirror Volume 2. This is a flexi cover anthology. Retails for $39.95. I only paid $38 for this mystery mail. So I'm already doing well, I would say. It's a black and white anthology. Uh, focuses on horror. And it will equally seduce you and sicken you. It is very explicit. <laughs> uh, the editors are Sean T. Collins and Julia Grofner. I always butcher her name. Grofer? Forer. How do you say her name, Jason? G-F-O-G-F-R-O-E-R-E-R. You, we know Ooh. we know Julia, but I can't pronounce her last name. I don't know. I, I think it's Froer. Whatever. It's published by 2D Cloud. And I'll tell you, it, it was published in 2017. I devoured this anthology. Listen to some of the contributors. Clive Barker, the, the third greatest horror writer in existence. Clive Barker is in here. Noel Freebert. Um... Let's see, Adrian Cott, Aiden Koch, Sean Christensen, Heather Benjamin, talked about Heather Benjamin a lot, Dame Darcy, Renee French, um, Simon Hanselman, Johnny Negron, Al Columbia, a, uh, Carol Swain, Josh Simmons, Shut Up. This is an awesome, awesome anthology. Uh, I'm not going to go through the entire thing because that would be uh, exhausting. But let's just say um, if, if you're a very sensitive individual who does not like uh, seeing explicit um, sex and or violence, maybe you shouldn't buy into this book. But the one story, and I know it's bad to lead with the uh the great songs or the great stories but this is the story that i took away uh immeasurably it's it's a story called empty-handed and the artist and writer is uh a person called moo m-o-u never heard of them before but now they're on my radar the main character or the focus of this thing is a is an asshole I uh, can't put it any other way. He's an asshole. He's having sex with a woman in the, the opening salvo of the story. And uh, she's pissed because he didn't pull out. But um, as she's talking to him and he's thinking, just please shut up, shut up, just please shut up. He's a real nice guy. Um, he looks in his... Uh, he looks at the product of his love of his uh, sexual adventures, i.e., the puddle of sperm on the bed, and he finds a little circular, pill-shaped object, and it has a letter on it. And he he asks the the woman like, "What's this?" Thinking that it was on the bed before, and it just happened to get caught in his ejectamenta right so as the story goes on um every time this guy ejaculates there's a small circular pill-sized object in his discharge 
with a letter on it. And it's very painful. It's like, I guess it would be akin to passing a kidney stone, right? It's, it's very painful for him, but he can't stop ejaculating, whether uh, self-inflicted or with other people. And then he notices that the letters are spelling words. And the words combine to tell a story. <laughs> and the story he believes to be uh, a dictum from uh, a goddess and that this goddess is asking for his help. I don't understand how the story goes from that point to the end game, but he becomes a she-male at the end of the story and is hooked up to a device that he created with um, moving parts that both suck and pummel and it's just unbelievable. And I don't quite understand where the story was going or where it ended. And I read it uh, at least three times thinking that maybe I, I missed something. But I think the concept of somebody ejaculating little letters that could be a transmission from a higher power is pretty interesting to me. Like, fascinatingly so. So, um, like, he had me. And then it it sort of went into bizarre territory. But that could be said about all of these stories. They, they, they're definitely not what you prejudge them to be, let's just say. Like, if you're reading it and you're thinking, oh, I got a, I got a handle on this thing. I know where it's going. Chances are you don't. <laughs> um, the, the Hanselman Shanti Collins story is called Black Flame. And the thing I, I enjoyed the most about this is in it, it's in a style that's very, very different from Mr., from Mr., um, well, from Simon, let's just say. Very different from their regular style. It's it's brushy and loose and and off the cuff and seemingly impromptu. I love it. I mean, it's uh, Simon doesn't have a, a very rigid style. I mean, if you're familiar with their work, but this is even more laid back. And it, it seems to be a communication between Simon... And the dark impulses that prompt him to create. That's what I get out of this story. He, uh, Simon's laying uh, stomach down on the living room floor uh, creating. And this black flame is hovering over their head. And the, the flame directs Simon to spread his legs. And... Simon's like, I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable doing this. And the flame's like, good. Spread your legs more. And is the, the, the flame asks him if it hurts. And Simon's like, yeah. And then the flame re tells him to reach down and touch himself. And Simon does it. And if that isn't 
uh, a pretty insightful commentary on the the dark things that um, propel us to reveal ourselves in art. Well, I don't know what is because at the end of the story, this this black flame consumes Simon, and Simon comes out of it and starts to create, and their legs are spread, meaning that uh, it's, it's, it's an exercise in being honest and open and unfettered in your uh, creative approach. And if that doesn't fit Simon Hanselman, then I don't know what does, right? I think this book is brilliant, um, but it's, it's very disturbing in a lot of spots, right? Um, and I didn't even know it existed number one this is volume two i know so now i gotta hunt down volume one so the the bargain that I, i've received from this um desert island maybe gonna cost me more than um in the long run anyway uh, there's a, a story by lala albert called vespertine odor and it's about a fairy communing with flowers and it's very erotic. The, this fairy creature um, does things with the, the pistol and the stamen of a flower that you would expect her to do with something else, right? Um, there's no hidden meaning, I don't think. Um, it's just a fairly straightforward story of a, of a fairy-type creature enjoying her time with a flower. And sometimes that's enough. And I think the drawing style is amazing. It's wonderful, loose, and um, but like here's where it gets really dark. Uh, Josh Simmons, I'm pretty sure it was Josh Simmons, and uh, yeah, does a story at the end called "The Cave." It's about a man and his mom going to a, taking a trip to visit this cave, and they've only been there, they've been there a couple times in the past. But they haven't been there in a long time. And the mother really wants to see the cave. And the son is, again, an asshole. And is just dreading it. Like, he's not enjoying the time he's spending with his mother. She's old. I mean, he's just going through the motions. He's like, come on, Ma, let's just get this done. And they go to the cave. And the cave wasn't what they expected. And then they go back to the car. But in going back to the car, it gets dark. And something comes out of the shadows, and you don't see it. Completely black panels, which is great. Comes out of the out of the uh, the darkness and kills and eats the mother before killing the son. And that's the end of the story, right? Am, am I leaving stuff out? Of course, I'm leaving things out. There, there, there are uh, dark alleys down which your mind can travel, and they do, because the, these stories are merely setups, right? Um, and, of course, Al Columbia, making with the Pym and Francie. Francie, we've seen this before, but a welcome inclusion, nonetheless. I thought this, this was an amazing anthology. Uh, and I thank Desert Island for putting it on my radar, because uh, heretofore I didn't even know it existed. And I love Dame Darcy a lot. Great, great illustrating going on there. Um, there's there's same-sex, there's um, 
opposite sex. There's uh, bloodshed and murder and depressing downbeat things in here. So, I mean, it's not an after-dinner mint. It's something that you're going to maybe take a little bit of time uh, digesting, but I thought it was phenomenal. And I got to thank... <sighs> I'm looking at this one story where this this office manager falls in love with a, when a, a temp or an assistant and follows her into the bathroom and takes out her tampon from the garbage and um, gets off on smelling it and touching herself. Like, this is where this book goes. So, again, if you're fragile, maybe avoid this. But if not, if you're brave, oh, boy. <laughs> if you're brave if you're brave maybe maybe you should check it out because this this lit up my existence for the uh the two plus hours it took me to uh consume it and i'm going to go back to it it's not something that i'm going to read once and just yeah that was great and forget about it this is going on the shelf um and i will revisit i think the clive barker um pieces are just freaking phenomenal uh, that that man has a has a handle on horror unlike uh, many others. And not only is he a wordsmith, a brilliant wordsmith, but he's also very very good with the brush, as you will see in this. So check it out if you can find it. Again, 2017 it was published. Mirror Mirror Volume Two. And if anybody has a handle on Volume One, give me a heads up because I want it. Mmm, needed it. Thank you, Desert Island. I'm in. I'm locked in for the mystery mail. Always a joy. Sounds like a hell of a package. I mean, given the books that you mentioned that I do know, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, even if they do give me something that I already have, no harm. Mm-hmm. Right? I'll just turn around and give it to somebody I love. Yep. So uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, maybe curtail uh, to a certain extent the, the other expenditure for comics uh, a month and, and just funnel some stuff to keep funneling to desert island because this is it's amazing i get a surprise package every month shut up <laughs> yeah shut up like I, I, it's not gonna be for everyone but uh sure. I, i'm gonna stick to it just for getting the smoke signal because i like i said i buy it anyway so to get smoke signal from them with postage costs about 10 bucks I mean, it's a free newspaper, but right. not not where I live, right? So you mm-hmm. got to, and I'm I'm done. They've they've captured my heart. All right, yeah, yeah. That sounds real good, actually. Look into it. I might actually. I might. I, I like a good surprise package. Oh, it's my favorite thing. Getting stuff in the mail that you don't know what's coming. That absolutely. Boom! 100%. My head just exploded. Sweet. It's one thing to order from eBay or Amazon or whatever, yeah. and then you know it's coming. And if you're, you know, that type of person, you track it. You know, you're getting it. That type of person. But to get a box, like I, I don't know when the box is coming. I, I know I get it once a month, but I don't, I don't exactly know when it's coming, and I don't know the content. So it's just a super surprise. Once mm-hmm. a month, check it out, Desert Island. Go to their website, or um, and, and I'm sure they have the information there. Yes, sir. So our patrons know this already because they get 
our updates, but uh, I one of the things I like to do is post little previews of art from ongoing art auctions that uh, I think is are neat. And one of the pieces this time that I posted, I made very clear was a a a piece that was grail esque for me to the point where I would seriously consider um, bidding heavily on it as you recall. Um, and the auction that was weeks ago. Well, the auction ended tonight. Oh, so for, um, this was the comic link featured auction. Comic link has uh, an art auction, uh, every month, but, uh, their featured auctions, which are quarterly are their big doings. The, the stuff that they expect will go, you know, for the biggest chunk of change. Um, and, uh, you know, the jaw dropper pieces, like where people are like, holy shit, like, could you imagine that type of thing? Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's some absolutely like the, the top, the top piece, this, this, uh, this auction was, uh, the cover from Tales from the Crypt number 39 by the incomparable Jack Davis. And it sold for $181,000. There was a Neil Adams Justice League of America 91 cover, which I thought was awesome. Like, I'm not a DC art collector, but I thought this piece was just tremendous. And it was uh, it went for $102,000. So clearly, uh, I was not alone in thinking that. But the piece that I'm referring to that I said uh, I would be interested in personally was, uh, as you guys know, a Captain America cover. Captain America number 382. Uh, the cover was by Ron Lim. And it was during the Mark Grunwald run, a run I hold very dear and near and dear. And why was it an important cover to me? Well, it is a cover featuring the Serpent Society. And there are very few comic book covers in the history of comics that feature the Serpent Society. Shocking, though, you may find that. And uh, when I saw the piece, and of course, lots of people that know my collecting taste said, holy shit, what have you seen this piece? And I thought, oh, boy. And uh, you all know, we talked about this offline, and I, I I decided I was willing to go up to a certain price that was more than I had ever paid for a single piece of art before. And uh, and I, I, I went to that bid, and uh, I got trounced. I got trounced. <laughs> so uh, I, was, lie, had I was willing time. to go up to, to $10,000 on this piece. And uh, it went for $20,255. Wow. So, it was not meant to be. That's fine. That's an so, insane uh, amount of money. It really is. <laughs> yeah. And then there was there was also a really awesome, at least to me, uh, New Mutants 100 page, with, of course, by Liefeld, featuring my girl. Now, I wasn't in on this one for, well, number one, because I was obviously in on the Captain America cover, which would have been, you know, an insane amount of money to spend. So, I wasn't going to bid on anything else. But also in this piece, it's... Uh, it's Domino's feet. It, she's in the she's in the on the page, but she's only in one panel, and uh, most of the panels are uh, Shatterstar and Cable. So it really wasn't my speed, but that went for twenty four thousand two hundred fifty dollars. And I bring that up because my, I, as you guys know, I own a Domino splash page, which I I believe at least among the Liefeld drawn work is the best Domino splash page that exists. Uh, she's pretty much the full. It's like a full page splash of her. Um, from his new mutants run, and uh, I, I, I pale, I, I, I shudder to think what that page is worth now in today's market, because this page that was a panel page that just went for t- almost twenty five thousand dollars. So I, I, 
I am I am baffled and very glad that I bought the page when I did. <laughs> really, really glad. Yeah, that's I, true. Like yeah. very, very happy that I bought it when I did, which at that time was the most I had ever spent on the page. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so Sailor didn't get the page. It's all good. Believe me, I was like kind of half in, half out thinking it's a lot of money if I win it. Wifey's going to be like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, in a way, I'm kind of glad that it went. And honestly, it would have sucked if it went for like 11000 And then I would have been like, ah. Oh. But the fact that it went for more than double makes me feel good because I was just not in the hunt. So. Well, right, because then you're absolved, right? Exactly. I yeah. mean, 11, you'd be extremely tempted. Because it's only a thousand over what you wanted to pay. Yeah, like when we started the show tonight, with there was an hour and a half or so left in the, it was already up to eighteen thousand. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm good. Like right. it's not, it's not mine. So, um, yeah. So the 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 comic I want to talk about is one that I tried for like almost like it, I went in almost completely blind. Um, the reason I got the issue is because it's drawn by Priscilla uh, Petraitis who um, I own art from, a commission. Uh, I you know, was introduced to her by a fellow collector. Love her style. She mainly worked in European comics to this point. So um, so when I saw that she was moving over to American comics, I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, like, I'm, I'll support her. Give the issue a try. Uh, and so it was, uh, the issue in question is Hit Me, uh, number one of five, published by AWA Upshot. Drawn by Priscilla Petritus, uh, with uh, writing written by Krista Faust, but um, beyond, like I said, beyond Priscilla drawing it, I didn't didn't know much about what the book was going to be about. And um, it, although a very different looking book than what you're you just talked about, Vince, this too would fit into the category of a book that absolutely is not going to be for everyone. Um, the opening page is of a petite attractive brunette with uh, kind of short punk style hair um, in her bathroom, but she's examining herself because she is covered in bruises like all over her body. And you're like, Oh, did she just get in a big fight? Like what's going on? And then there's one word balloon on the first page and it says spanking is cheap. You want to hit me in the face. It's $50 more. And then the next few pages are her showering and cleaning herself up and putting makeup on, cover up her bruises. And it, it, she makes it very clear that uh, she is a sex worker and her, her specialty is allowing people to beat her up. And uh, I was like, wait, what? Like, this is a thing? Um, but I'm like, all right, well, I'll, I'll keep reading. Uh, she just starts talking about her, you know, her, her lot in life that this is her job and the choice she makes and how she charges different amounts for different things. And she has repeat customers and, you know, charge flat rate for parts of her body that can be covered with clothing and double for her face and all this stuff. And it's like very, you know, it's very, very off putting. You're like, wait a minute. What, like what? Like, I don't like what, where's this going? And she's got a, a bodyguard that's there to, to intervene. If, if, uh, you know, things go beyond the agreed rules that she sets, sets up and, um, you know, and 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 the book is basically her talking about her career in this, going to meet up with uh, with with a particular client, a regular client. Um, as she's going to meet up with her regular client, she runs into another uh, former client, and she flashes back to the one time she she 
she worked with him and she didn't she didn't ever take his business again because he broke the rules and uh there's some pretty graphic scenes there and then she meets up with her with her regular who's and uh a guy named Mr. Tock and uh good looking like wealthy businessman type that uh, she seems to enjoy working with and uh and then as you might imagine because it's a comic it's got to have intrigue things like some bad shit goes down with Mr. Tock and some ne'er-do-wills uh, in her presence that she certainly didn't bargain for. And it thrusts her into a situation that she uh, is now kind of stuck. She's, she, she witnessed a murder. She's, she's got a bag full of diamonds, which aren't hers. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I'm imagining it's a five issue series that now shit's going to hit the fan. But this premise of this, this, this woman who's a sex worker, but, but chooses to get, physically abused to make her living is fascinating and, and i was like as i closed the page i'm like oh, this is fucked up like i don't even like what is this book about and then i i you know i'm not always one for the back matter but but in this case uh krista faust who's the author uh spent two pages writing about the book and, and why she chose to do it and i'm really glad that she did because it answered my questions in essence uh, and I don't know much about Krista Faust. Maybe she's a well-known person. I, I don't know. But based on her op-ed, her letter, she she clearly is someone who is either currently or has at some point in her life been involved both as a sex worker and is a into BDSM. And she wanted to portray a story about uh, real BDSM and sex work in a feminist light. And she wanted to tell it in this way. And I thought... Wow, like, again, if you were to describe this book and say it's a book about a petite young woman who gets beaten up, like, as a sex worker, you'd think it was, like, you know, misogynistic and written by yeah. some dude, right? Like, and this is not. It's actually written and drawn by two, out like, very proud and vocal feminists who, who have history with in the sex work industry. And so I, I just, you know, I'm fascinated by this by this, by this this story. And I, I would imagine this is an, a comic that while they're very proud to have made probably isn't going to have the most broad audience, right? I don't know that this is a book that's going to be flying off the shelves or sitting atop the diamond charts, given the, the material. Um, and, and admittedly, I, I was disturbed by the material. So I don't, I don't know that, you know, I, I can't blame people for that, especially if, if you're, if you went on, went by a solicitor or something on it, but I'm in now. Uh, and, and I will say that Priscilla, uh, I already was familiar with her line work because of the stuff I've seen in her commissions, but, but she's an excellent storyteller. I mean, uh, I, I, she's done sequential work, as I said, in Europe. So I'm, this is not her first go around, but this is the first I've seen of her sequentials. And I thought she was a very astute storyteller. Um, there's definitely a Joel Jones aesthetic to her work. Uh, very super clean lines, beautiful people doing violent things. Yeah. Um, so I'm in, I'm going to keep going. I, I, and mainly because I'm fascinated and I have to say, I'm, I, maybe this is wrong to say, but if, if this was written by a dude, I probably would have been appalled by it. But the fact it was written by a woman who says she's got a story to tell about BDSM and feminism, I'm, I'm in, I want to see what the story is because, um, you know, this is definitely like, I mean, I'm, I'm, we've certainly on the show, like I'm, I'm very sex positive. I, I, certainly don't make any compunctions about having any issues with pornography. And we certainly talk about transgressive comics plenty on the show. So, but like this felt a little too real 
because I'm like, oh, like, are there really people that? Well, that's like, a good thing. No, I know, but like, but but I was like, so so all, my only point is like, I want people to know what they're getting into here if they want to heed heed our recommendation and and read this. I mean, this is going to be a difficult read if you are not someone that's particularly familiar with BDSM, at least like, and 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 um, Krista in her in her letter makes the point that she wanted to basically tell a story that wasn't Fifty Shades of Grey. That like Fifty Shades is sexy, but it's not BDSM, right? It's like soft. No, nah, that's it's... mainstream, yeah. Right, right, right. And but but that's probably the closest most people have ever come to like seeing or thinking about that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Well, there was a whole subgenre of films in the 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 fifties and sixties. They were called roughies. Okay. Where you know the the one of the the centerpiece scenes was a woman getting smacked around. Uh, and always a woman, not a man, right? Because men were the audience, the target audience for these movies. Well, now it's nice to see a woman taking it back and saying um, there are some that uh, engage in this kind of activity that do it not as victims or, you know, but do it for profit. And I think there's a whole lot of room for stories like this in comics. This is intriguing to me. I, you know, I, I paged through the issue as you were talking about it. The art's a bit clean and controlled for me. Uh, no, I know. It's not your style. Yeah, I'm not saying it. I mean, you're, yeah. you're certainly on the mark when you say she's a great storyteller and she's a, a wonderful illustrator. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, I, I find nothing at fault with the art, only that it's, it's, it's a bit too pristine yeah, yeah. for me. But I think it, it, lo- it looks great. Um, and the, but it's the story that's pulling me in. Like I love true life stuff. And if, if it, what's the axiom most writers uh, posit? Write what you know. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if there, there's an authenticity and a veracity to your work uh, when you've lived the events within the narrative. So I mean that there's not there's no losing here uh, at all. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, Priscilla also does a uh, like a half a page. She doesn't go deep, uh, but uh, she does a little half a page about her interest in the book. And she said that um, the favorite part was how love still finds its way amid all the charming filth. She also loved that it was a '90s a, a time a period piece because she loves the '90s. But then she said, "Hit me, push me to even darker corners of the violence than I've explored before." Uh, it shined a light on the intersection of pain and pleasure. I've had a very interesting time exploring and thinking deeper on what violence and pleasure mean to each of the characters and how these two seemingly opposite sensations can serve many different purposes in someone's life. So, you know, um, yeah, like I said, it's it's I went in blind based on Priscilla's work. Um, and uh, I'm glad I did because this is definitely a book that I would not have tried otherwise and, uh, and uh, is definitely genuinely unique from the many many things we read that uh enjoy or not are are, are far more commonplace and types of the the tropes that they deal with that we read right. so yeah score one for awa i'm fascinated yeah so, score one for awa man so yeah. yeah hit me number one of five uh awa shot look at that yeah let's check it out uh i'll do a little bit of um some quick hit some lightning rounds before i get to um what i really really enjoy i i I teased on it last week when jason talked about strange number one and the event that led up to the new uh sorceress 
Supreme. So you had the five issue death of Doctor Strange, but along in between the five issues, there were a bunch of one shots that um, because once the Master of Mystic Arts dies, all the uh, all the magics, all the uh, all the barriers that he had put up that kept um, other worldly beings and their dimensions at bay. Uh, when he's gone and his spell is gone, um, those can kind of uh, leech in to the dimension that he was protecting. Um, and and for the most part, um, I, I I it just it reminded me of the days of uh, like DC's War of the Worlds or not 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 things like Millennium or, or Legends, but just just a little corner universes where they kind of bring in other tie-ins and and uh and those crossovers and this was basically its own thing yes it led to the new strange comic which will of course eventually bring back dr stephen strange once clea finds him but um the there there was the one shots were uh had Basically, um, you had one that focused on the Avengers. The story was fine, but the highlight was uh, the Ryan Bodenheim art, which was one of his last works. Um, and it's, you know, seeing him draw the Avengers and Thor and Captain Mary. It, it, the art was great. The story, I could, it, it, it was fine. It, it did what it, it served its purpose. Uh, the Strange Academy. One shot. It was a really cool anthology. It had some fantastic art, especially with um, Mike Del Mundo. That was the main story. Was uh, Enchantress and uh, and her her boys, who were members of who were students at the academy. Um, they uh, they had a big bad to take care of, and then once that wrapped up, uh, there were other students that got one or two pages. Um, since the school is technically closed since um the headmaster isn't isn't around um the uh there was a white fox one shot which was okay i know very little about the character other than the fact that she's has something to do with the new agents of atlas um the x-men black knight one shot was more black knight than x-men and it's black knights because dane has a daughter uh and she's wielding the ebony blade these days, or at least they share it. But what I really liked about um, the issue was uh, the return of um, uh, Faiza Hussein from Captain Britain and MI13, who, of course, is a, is a uh, sword wielder herself. And, um, and the Bob Quinn art was really cool. Uh, and there was also a Bloodstone one-shot, which... Um, I guess for the eight Bloodstone fans, this is really up your alley, but it was one of those things where it, it was more of a setup for things that might come in the future. Um, Wait, you mean Elsa Bloodstone? Yes. And her brother. Dude, eight, well, I'm one of the eight, bitch. I know. I know. All right, there and you I, go. I, I consider myself one, but uh, of all the characters, you know, it's cool. It, 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 well, she's it better was, than her dad, Ulysses. Yes, She's like a it's true. Although, although Dad was brought up because apparently her and her brother have an, have a sister from uh, from another mother, and uh, and there was um, 
she was introduced and so the bloodstones and the blackstone that their sister has it it was it was it was a nifty one shot and i'm sure it's going to set things up um down the line or there are there threads there that somebody can pull but but my two favorites of all the one shots there was one that just uh, that was about blade and because blade is basically a security guard not not really he's a he's gary coleman He's he's the head of he's the head of security for Dracula and 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 because he uh, now that Strange is dead, uh, the vampires are celebrating. Uh, I, I I enjoyed the one shot because yes, there's the relationship or the the uh, the adversarial issues that uh, Strange and and Dracula have had over the years, um, and the the art by. Um, by, by Dylan Burdett was was neat because it wasn't something that I was expecting, considering all the other mainstream, um, the look of the other one shots and um, that that more or less polished Marvel style. But um, but this 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 felt like an indie issue and 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 I, I, I dug it a lot. Um, but my favorite was probably not probably my favorite is the. Spider-Man one-shot, and that's because it really felt like an old Spider-Man annual from back in the day. Unfortunately, yes, it is the Ben Riley Spider-Man because it's that place and it takes place in current continuity. And because it takes place in current continuity, as Peter is in a coma, as he is in the ongoing Amazing series, um, Black Cat, Felicia is... is um, hanging back and uh, watching over him. Um, and, and this issue was written by Jed McKay, of course, is writing the Black Hat series um, and wrote the death of Doctor Strange and is writing the uh, the new Strange series. Um, but what I dug about the Spider-Man issue was that um, once Strange died, basically there was a um, an astral projection sent to Spider-Man that would only basically like an alarm Spider-Man is receiving this message because I am dead and and um, and it doesn't matter that it's not necessarily Peter Parker who's Spider-Man right now it's just whoever's wearing the costume sees this message so um, so basically he's like listen I have a list of you to, that, that you need to take care of um, and uh, and and I, I trust you'll do what you need to do what I trust you'll handle this the way only Spider-Man can handle it Um no, help me over one Kenobi kind of thing. So, uh, Black Cat is kind of going along because she's like, you know, you're not Spider Man, so I'm just going along to make sure you don't fuck this up. And they're the, the they throw Barbies back and forth a little bit. You know, he's I get it that you know, Ben has a lot going on right now. He is he's he's not just he's not just taking over for Peter because there's this whole corporation behind the Ben Riley version of Spider-Man and it's a whole thing. And, and so he's getting pressure from the people who I guess he's working for and he's trying to just live up to, um, all of the good that Peter has done over the years. And now he's got these other people in his life that, um, are reminding him yet again that, listen, you're, you can dress up all you want. You're not Spider-Man. You're definitely not Peter Parker. You're not Spider-Man. And, and, and it's, you can only go, so long and so far before you know you kind of 
want to lash out or say enough is enough. That doesn't necessarily happen in this issue. I'm not trying to imply that, but um, but I get how Ben would um, take some of the things that uh, that are getting thrown his way. So so Spider-Man and Black Cat go visit Wong, and um, and they uh, even Wong knows that Ben isn't. Spider-Man and um and there's a there's a whole thing where um once that gets all straightened out they go skipping through the um swinging around the city and there's the gator shaman uh that uh, there's a uh there's a peace treaty that the gator shaman and and Doctor Strange have and um a bunch of albino gators under uh in the sewers in new york city um so they have to make sure that the gators don't get free or the 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 shaman um goes on any sort of rampage or starts to attack the city uh they 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 clean that mess up there's a um there's there's a whole thing where um stop the hungry prince of hearts he will know I'm gone and will resume his hunt. Um, when they show up to stop the hungry Prince of hearts, moon Knight's there all bloody say, you know, I handled it. Um, so they go about on to their next mission. And there's just, there's a whole there, uh, ensure the spirit of mammon remains bound in bronze. And you see them basically playing Bucky Bronco on, on the, the bull and wall street. Um, they got to go to Chinatown. They have to uh, exercise the six 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 train. It's just it, and, and a lot of these are basically one panel with double page spreads, and it's it's nifty. It looks cool. The um, the the art by uh, Marcelo uh, Ferreria is is solid. I like it a lot. Um, it's it fits. It, it's um, I like Black Hat a lot. Spider Man's not bad, but I I. I appreciate the uh the female form here and it it's um in between some of the missions ben and um uh cat have a little little chat they're, they're they they kind of see each other differently as as the night um as the night's going on um uh, they talk about their relationship with Stephen strange um but yeah, I, I think of of all of the one shots that, uh, that 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 this event gave us, um, the Spider Man is is my favorite. Um, they all hit in some way, shape, or form. Whether it was the art, whether it was the characters, because there are some things where I, like, especially with with the X Men and Black Knight one, uh, or or whatever, or, or White Fox. There are a couple here that I'm just like completely unfamiliar with and for the most part the one shots really didn't um they didn't really tie into the main miniseries they they were just it was like okay well magic is broken and now these these demons or these otherworldly beings are attacking earth okay well this hero this character can handle that and then the one shot basically takes care of that there, there there may not even be a mention of dr strange in one of the one shots it's just that 
they just know something is up because now they're being attacked. And um, so it wasn't as cohesive. I would have, as I would have maybe expected. Um, but there were, uh, I, I just, I look at the whole thing, all, all these issues is basically a, a, as an anthology and, and, you know, as we all know with anthologies, some are going to hit and, and some of the stories are, are going to be a little bit of a miss, but, um, but overall, um, I was, I was glad I was here for it, especially after reading strange from by Mark Wade and, and, um, Jason Aaron, everybody else over the years in recent years, and uh, and so now I read this event to get to the new Strange, which of course is Clea, and then um, and then we'll see how we get to uh, to, to the next version of um, of Doctor Strange. As far as the mystery of the main mini itself, um, the mystery was neat because they, there was there was a little bit of a faint. Uh, if you were paying attention, you could probably could have guessed who um who the killer is and uh and why it wasn't uh it wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily someone they just pulled out of the blue uh all, all the players were present through the five issues and uh and it basically it, it it felt like um well cliff would appreciate this it felt like one of those old-timey noir detective stories like the thin man or things like that where you know everybody you, you, you gather everybody into the room or, or Columbo or anything like that. And, and, uh, and you may wait for the killer to reveal himself or herself. Uh, but, uh, if you were paying attention, it, it, I don't think there was any big swerve or there, there, there was no, uh, uh, Hawk slash captain Adam moment here. They, 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 nobody called an audible to, because anybody guessed it, it was, um, it makes sense. But yeah, I thought that, uh, thought that overall, the event was pretty neat. It, it was one of those things where I just I didn't have to buy into a whole bunch of other stuff. I didn't have to be bogged down with years of continuity. It was just it was it was it was a nice little um. It kept my kept my toes in the Marvel waters to a degree. Uh, I, I'm familiar with almost everybody that I read in these issues, but um, it was nice to just get. A little something, a little something different, and and to see where um, for the continuity walks out there, how uh, how things play from uh, from one set of circumstances or one one set of se- one series into the next. So I I I dug it quite a bit. I'm a, I now I can read Strange Number One and find out where we're going from here. Yeah, nice. I'm I, that's I, you had me at Pfizer. I I, I I like that character a lot. Yes, yes, same. I, I was so happy when I saw her. And Quindra was great. And uh, and and knowing that, um, you know, as, as and again, Black Knight, Dane has his fans. And uh, if, if you saw the Eternals, you, you kind of know where um, you're probably going to get more of them in the near future. But uh, but yeah, as, as soon as she showed up, I was I, I definitely sat up a little straighter when she showed up. Mm hmm. Dope. Groovy. Vince, you told us you had tons of stuff. I do. This next thing that I want to talk about, I'm guessing, well, I'm going to assume Jason read it. Okay. And I'm also going to assume that Jason didn't like it because I I don't remember him talking about it. Okay. But I think it would be a perfect book of the month 
it has everything that um, it's inherently discussable. If that's a it's a shitty way to put it, but um, there are many many um, layers in this book. There are avenues of interpretation that you can go down. That I, I think the author infused this book with a lot of symbolism and a lot of metaphor uh, that are rife for generating the kind of conversation we have for a book of the month. I think it's the best thing I read all week and probably going to be the best thing I read all month. Um, I'm pretty certain it was given to me by Anthony G. I'm just going to just just let it fly and let the groans uh, erupt where they will. It was written by the second best daredevil writer in existence. Oh, you're talking about Seeds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh nice, no, I, I nice. read the first issue when it came out, and then I never got around back around to it. I Same, don't know why. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was written by Anna Senti. Yep. Who, yeah, yeah, whom well, I, I do consider the second best Daredevil writer. That's, that's, it, it, that's blasphemy. I mean, it's not. It's not. Uh, name a writer that was, other than Frank, that did a better job on Daredevil than Anne. I, there's been many. Mm, not not to my. It's mm, Not to my calculations, but whatever. I've read most of those, to be fair. Uh, you know, well, I read enough Daredevil. Um Written by Anne Nascenti and uh, illustrated by David Aja, who does an yep, amazing... That's why I read it, actually. I was like, oh, it's, I, I, I don't know why I never finished it. Tell me about it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll finish it. I think I have to trade. Well, there, there's a, a Watchmen-esque uh, fixation on recurring visual motifs in this book. Uh, and the motif is the hexagon. Right. The hexagon yeah. shows up everywhere in this mm -hmm. book, whether it's uh, the honeycomb of a bee hive or the uh, the the uh, faceted uh, or the facets of an insect's eye, the pattern on the back of a turtle shell, the shape created by a, a closing shutter. Of a, of a camera lens. The hexagon shows up a lot in this book. The negative space within a chain link fence. Uh, like I said, the book is, is plagued. Uh, no, I shouldn't say plagued. The book, the book is rife with hexagon imagery. Uh, it also uh, plays in the things that I love. Uh, the concept of alien civilizations and uh, dystopia, um, conspiracy theories, and uh, human psychology. Uh, one of the big things in the book is the power of mycelium, the mushroom. Encapsulating what this book is about is not going to be easy because it's about a lot of things. But at the core of the book is it's about a love it's a love story really between uh, a human and an alien the aliens were sent here to gather seeds because humanity's on the skids um 
the ecosystem's not doing so great. The bees are dying off. Um, the the planet's in a shambles, and um, to the point where the humanity's now sequestered in two groups. You have um, those that embrace technology and those that shun it. And uh, lives the lives of each grouping of of people are very very different like you you can't just traipse over into the the zone the the anti-technology zone willingly it's it's like a forbidden zone and there's there's mythology that has erupted and tall tales and uh, stories that were designed to frighten children about that part of the planet and um, a reporter is sent over uh, to this uh, forbidden zone to, to get a story, any story. Like the, the her her editor is just hungry for something that's going to sell, you know, uh, news. And um, the one of the aliens uh, falls for a human female, and she, it it's not. Uh, unplanned that this young lady is in a wheelchair um she can walk to a certain extent but but needs the wheelchair and like i said the symbolism in this book is is very very thick um meaning that one of the main characters is human and confined to a wheelchair meaning that in some way humanity is is um See, I got to be very careful with my words here. I don't want to say uh, humanity needs something else to maintain its existence, right? It, it can't, it's not self-sufficient at this point. Like this woman, she needs the wheelchair for locomotion, right? Um, I, I, she's not broken, but she's, she's, um, she needs a little bit of help and that's i think that's what ann was saying here in the fact that she put the main character in a wheelchair meaning that at this point in the narrative humanity needs a whole lot of help right uh we're broken because we're fractured we got these people living on this other side of a wall who who shun technology and you got the people that embrace technology and can't live without it uh, so humanity is splintered into two parts and yet this woman falls in love with an alien and unfortunately well fortunately for them unfortunately for uh, the other uh, aliens uh, the woman is pregnant and that creates a lot of problems Uh, the reporter stumbles upon this fact and 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 takes an actual picture of the alien but another uh, one of the threads going through this book is the truth and if you're if you're paid if you're a reporter and you're paid seemingly to to uh, parlay in the truth do you do so for the sake of the truth or do you hide the truth in order to protect those involved like she struggles with this uh her her editor's like hammering her that she needs a story needs a story and she come she stumbles upon this story that would blow up the world does she have an obligation to present the story or does she not in order to to save the the lives um of the people involved right i mean we see this every day in the media 
Stories are fabricated and thrown out there just to fill up our eyes and our ears. How much of it is true, right? Do they are they throwing this shit out there just to fill up this this news space? Is it a lot? Are a lot of them worthy? That I mean, that's the things you're going to encounter in this book. Um, but where I think Anne was really brilliant, um, one of the aliens is a son of a bitch, uh, and even though he's alien, he represents everything bad about humanity like he's embraced our culture the, the one panel she has him sitting in a lounge chair there's an american flag on the wall behind them he's got a shotgun and a tv set in the frame like it's everything that is bringing us down you know what i mean rampant patriotism or, or that bullshit that 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 uh passes for patriotism um, the love of guns, the love of media, all and he walks around with his junk hanging out. So he's permi- he's promiscuous. He loves the the instant gratification of of having his dick hanging out all over the place, right? But he's an alien, right? So, so there's there's this awesome. I think she's very cunning as a writer. She she's using an alien to represent the bad shit about humanity, and this guy's a murderous asshole he he will attack his own without hesitation and then juxtapose against that you have a love affair between two beings that are from different literally different worlds so if if a a human woman and an alien man well not i don't want to say man because there's other things in this book an alien being can can find love and yet you have humanity splintered into two groups. Like, we can't even get along, and yet you have an alien and a human being finding something within each other to bring them together. And then there's the bees. Uh, there's a lot of um, symbolism with uh, bees in this book, uh, how they, they work in a hive situation, and they all help for the greater good, and they're only facets in a much greater plan, whereas humanity thinks that they are the be-all and the end-all individuals that the world navigates around or, or the universe navigates around each and every one of these single entities when it couldn't be farther from the truth like we're a, the human is an organism not a singular entity right uh, that again those are the things that you're going to find in this book i th- i thought it was masterfully done it was brilliant um it's i i read it three times damn yeah and the fact that i i didn't get into the names of the characters and all like it doesn't really matter i i think the big picture is what matters in this um there's a a a thread about a billionaire that shoots himself into space because he can he's Mm -hmm. got the money to do it and 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 he ends up um his his uh, conveyance ends up crashed on a on a uh, a moon of one of the planets, I think it's it's Saturn or, or Jupiter, whatever. But he dies alone in space because he overshot his trajectory went off, and and he overshot the mark, and he, now he's alone and dead in space because his billions enabled him to get that. So like, what's it worth? Right? He had these these he had the resources to shoot himself into space, but he fucked up. And now he's dead on a coal moon somewhere and accomplished nothing 
zero, where those billions could have been spent much better to do humanitarian things. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just it, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, I've only scratched the surface. There's there's way more to this thing, but I found it just mesmerizing from the get go. I was totally pulled into this world. Um, it's monochromatic. It's it's black and white with um, accents of green, and uh, there's there's a worker that is devising uh, robotic bees to take the place of the the dying bee population, right, right, yeah. and uh, doesn't go so well. Let's <laughs> <laughs> you know, just say um, one guy banks on the mushroom saving humanity, the fungus. Fungus among us. Yeah, it's just a really extremely well done uh, book. There, there is. Uh, it's not pessimistic. Uh, there's an there's an air of optimism to it, especially in the ending, um, that I found refreshing. Uh, I, I just think it's a phenomenal book. The seeds, Anasenti, David Aja. It's from the Burger books. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that um, Karen. I think start- it was like it was the second one. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the first or second, yeah. Well, the Star- first one was um, was uh, LaGuardia, I think. Right, yeah. Uh, I think so. I think so, yeah. But it, it's from Dark Horse, and it, believe me, I'm not shitting around. If you get a chance to read this thing, please do it. Uh, it it's it's not an easy read. you got to pay attention. There's a lot of um, things. Uh, the owls are not what they seem. Let's just say that. Read it. It, it you'll you'll be a, a, a much um, more well-rounded uh, person after you read it, <laughs> and hopefully, you know, you, you take some of the uh, inherent advice in this book, and and don't think so much like an individual. Yeah, I mean, we all have our individuality, and we all think that you know this is my life. Well, it's not your life it's our life it's my life right don't you know what i mean i mean you know what i'm saying right Mm -hmm. humanity yeah but i know you don't think that way because you're too much of a rugged um yeah that's me i'm rugged no you know what i mean like you're 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 very you've embraced the ego and who you are and for, for just reason like you're very successful but i think i think there's more to existence than who we are i think we have to think of um the the species as 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 a group and not just a bunch of individual parts that's what this book will 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 teach you i i loved it i thought it was just just great so thank you anthony g and thank you karen berger and ann and david this this book is just masterfully done nice yeah it's great Osana's a plenty. I wish you read it, finish it. Yeah, you. I mean, it sounds good. I, I don't. I don't remember disliking the first issue. I don't. I don't remember why I didn't finish it. I don't. Yeah, same. Lots of things, you know. They just get lost in the ether. I'm wondering why you thought I wouldn't like it, though. Because you have this Nascenti hate. It's not a hate at all. I, I mean, I read all of her Daredevil run off the rack and enjoyed it at the time i i just don't you know i mean i just i just don't think 
I don't think the rest of her catalog stands up to the test of time. You see, I do. I think she's great. And, and, and I'm going to tell her that to her face because she's uh, uh, associated with uh, Marywood College. Is that right? Yeah. So next time I get to see her, I'm going to tell her. Look at you. The Seeds was phenomenal. Good job, my phenomenal. lady. Nice job, Anne Ascenti. That's what's up. That is what's uh, up. I know that um, we were supposed to mention the forum last week and failed to do that. Uh, are we just announcing March's Book of the Month? Yep. Ah, let's okay. do it. All right. What is it, Vince? Well... The book of the month is, and this got, I mean, when we, we have been in a practice of complimenting those who have suggested the book of the month. This time, it's going to be a pretty long list because there's at least, what, eight people who have suggested? Uh, I, I, I know of at least, I know a couple have, have, have picked it twice over. It's where... We have kept a running list of everything since January. So we have we have January, February, and March, and we're looking at everybody who's who's picked this particular book, and it's it's been more than a few people. Right. I mean, there's there's a, a healthy amount of of, of uh, Jim Oaks who have suggested that we talk about Enigma by Peter Milligan and Duncan Figredo. Yes. Nice. It is a really really good book. So you've read it? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I read it. As, I well, I don't want to spill the beans, but I, yeah. I've read it, yeah. Okay. I, it's hard to top for Grado in, in terms of visuals, and I think Milligan just – this is one of his showcase works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those books that, that will transcend uh, time, I think. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I just, I just read a Peter Milligan comic last week. Nice. I like Peter's stuff. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's very talented. And and relatively, um, I, I wonder if he does other things for a living because he doesn't, you know, kind of picks the spots. Oh, just look at his catalog. I mean, the, the guy's been on a lot of high-profile books over the years. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. Yep. So there you go. Enigma. Uh, Milligan, Figredo, Book of the Month. For March. Yeah, we should... Uh, Love to see it. Yep, 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 yep. Look forward to it. So you got a few weeks to get it and read it. We'll uh, we'll discuss it, uh, unless anything changes, uh, March 30th. Recently published in the big old upscale edition, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's probably Which one of the prob- reasons that people are getting exposed yes. to it. Yeah. Yep, yep. Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, it's a visual okay. treat, um, and, and and the story is in tandem with the with the visuals. It's it's nice. a complete package. Yeah, good, awesome. What else we got? Uh, let's see. Um, well, we can. I'm saving that for my new travels. Um, looking at the list, I think we can do a couple of tag teams. Yes, we can. Uh, so since you just spoke. Vince, uh, Jason, want to talk about the new Punisher number one? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so Punisher's really interesting, right? Like, I mean, in terms of where we are as a culture, um, 
And I'm bringing this up before people groan listening and thinking, why are you bringing this up? I think it's germane because I think the reason this issue exists is for that reason. Yes, completely. Um, so the Punisher has always been an odd duck. We've talked about this many times over the years because we've talked about a lot of Punisher books. Um, Dapp in particular is a big Punisher fan, but Vince and I like the character too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he is a... He is an unapo- unapologetic murderer, vigilante killer, and uh, wears a skull on his chest. And um, you know, it's it's just that's the character, and it's always been one of those weird things because it's anathema to almost all other, both Marvel and DC characters who consider themselves heroes and have ongoing series, right? And it's always been kind of the interesting thing about him, but also the dichotomy because it's just hard to see him as a hero. Uh, he doesn't see himself as a hero. But uh, but there have been a lot of good a lot of good Punisher comics over the years for sure. I yeah. mean, and um, and and I don't know for some it may have no impact at all, but clearly for others and and for enough people that it's become a business issue. Um, the Punisher's logo, more so than the character, really, but the logo has been co-opted by some pretty gross groups of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of alt-right people, a lot of people associated with the January 6th insurgency and all of that, it, you know, have co-opted that symbol for themselves. And, you know, this is not the time or the place to debate whether or not that symbol should be co-opted by them, if it makes any sense that they co-opted it, whatever. The fact is they did. And now for a lot of people, including many that don't read comics, they associate the Punisher logo with uh, things they find as repugnant, myself included, bluntly. I, I um, and, and so I guess Marvel decided, um, at least for now, you know, right? Maybe it's no, nothing is ever permanent in comics, but that it's been a minute since they've had a Punisher comic, I think in part because of what's been going on politically, but uh, they were going to relaunch the character, and they were going to at least attempt to extricate Frank Castle from um, the skull symbol. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good move. Well, it is a good move in a sense, but 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 ultimately it's, you know, will it stick, right? Um, but anyway, so, so, so this first issue, Punisher number one, um, was, I mean, they got a big, they got a big, I think smartly they got a big gun to take on the task, which is they got Jason Aaron, who, um, while I'm been very publicly disappointed in his Avengers run, there's still no question that Jason is one of Marvel's top writers, and he's done a great job on King Conan and and so forth, and so on. So they got Jason Aaron, and then they got a pair of I think very capable, very talented uh, artists in uh, Jesus Saez and Paul Azaceta. So very very quality all star creative team. Uh, and Dave Stewart on colors, of course, can't go wrong there, uh, to relaunch the character. And it's an interesting issue, right? Um, the first few pages are, as a set of drawing, the all-too-familiar moments when Frank's family is murdered, which is the... For this, spoilers the Punisher's anyone, Pearls. Yeah. Oh, spoiler, definitely. Yeah. Spoilers to anyone that does to the Punisher. <laughs> it's the Pearls. Now, but... <laughs> but uh, Frank is a, I guess originally he was a Vietnam War vet, right? But 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 uh, he is a vet of some kind, depending on your timeline, and uh, and is is this, and his his family's his children, his wife are murdered uh, by mobsters, and that uh, that leads him to becoming the Punisher and going or spending the rest of life devoted to killing uh, ne'er do wells. 
So we get a, a, re- a reenactment of that, like the Dap said, like like the Batman pearls, uh, and then we get this strange, I think strange, like I think this is a, a odd choice, double page spread that is a uh, pastiche, like a montage of different versions of the Punisher. Uh, right. and, it, it, yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's interesting. It probably make a good poster, but it's literally. Clips Almost from, everybody who's ever drawn the yeah, character. Yeah, you've got Steve Dillon, and you've got uh, you've got, got the Grass Street covers. You've yep, got Ramita, you've Ramita, got Miller, yeah. you got Parlov, Zach. Yep, yep. Um, so you've you've got Brad Street. Yeah, so you've got you've got everybody that that that's known to have done the character, and and with key scenes or covers from those. And it says Frank Castle is the Punisher in you know, and uh, and and then we we get this the start of this new series, which is mainly drawn by Jesus Ayes. And I will say. Full disclosure, I, I'm not the biggest Saez art fan. I, I, same here. I think he looks pretty stiff. I think, like with the first the opening scenes where these characters that uh, that are wearing the Roman helmets, that they, they they that looks very photoshoppy to me. Like like he found helmets and tried to paste them on top of heads he had already drawn otherwise, and it, it looks very stiff. Uh, I, I think. I think that was a, a misstep visually for me, but 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 not, not, yeah, nevertheless. But but the the sequence featuring these characters, there's not a whole lot of room for uh, artistic uh, experimentation. Like it's a bunch of suited men. Yeah, in they, in you can't see their expressions really. Yeah, it, their, their heads are covered. Oh I, sure, I, but I'm I mean, not saying you think of a hundred artists that could render that in a more more interesting way. Th- uh, that's true way. too, but I mean it's there's, it's not rife with creative on these pages. The the star is 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 Stewart. I he he uh, barely. It almost, but yeah. It 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 looks. I mean, the coloring, whether it's the skin tones and and it, it just it mm. reminds me of something very heavy metal, something European, almost Corbin. I mean, the way Corbin mm. has his work colored. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying Stop. it's drawn like Corbin, but the way I see the skin tones and uh-huh. how it's like. Um, uh, what Sotomayor used to do with like Kevin Maguire because because he would leave it basically a blank canvas. He would just have the outlines and then the colorist goes in and adds yes, the work all for the sure. dimensions. Yeah, but yeah. even within the coloring, like Stewart could have could have went very cold within the shadows and very hot within the you know the the highlights, and he didn't. It's just it's a You're matter right. Right. it's a matter of fact. Let's just get this done. That sequel. is true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, but the premise is there's these dudes in suits that uh, have you know wear wear Roman helmets and uh, they have some kind of uh, they call themselves the apostles they have some kind of boss but basically they are weapons dealers they have they're talking about all this inventory they have blessed be the gamma cannons blessed be the graviton bazookas all this stuff and and they're taking orders and trying to fulfill them for different people and uh, you can if you've ever read a, if you've read any Punisher comic ever you know where this is going the lights go out and. Uh, Let's come back on, and all of a sudden, all of the apostles are dead, save for one. And uh, and Frank is standing there, you know, doing his his monologue, and and uh, and he kills him. But the, the big shocker in the double page spread is that he doesn't kill him with a gun, which is what Frank always uses. But he kills him with a badass samurai sword move. Uh, and he's kind of standing there in a position that you've seen many rendered in many martial arts comics or. A screen cap of many martial arts films he kind of like you know he cuts the guy's throat with like one deft move and walks past him and is kind of standing there and frank is standing there holding a samurai sword with uh, a a costume where his it is a skull 
but it's a it's basically like a horned devil skull, looking more like an east like a like an like an East Asian kind of yeah, like an oni. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. And that's supposed to be the holy shit moment, you know. Um, and, and and there's more pages of that, and then suddenly, uh, all of a sudden, out from out from from hiding come tons of very familiar red clad ninjas, aka the hand. And it's clear that Frank is now working with or for or part of the hand. Um, and, and then and then we we he goes back to their their hangout and uh, you you start learning about what's happening and that yes in fact he is working with the hand and he's now their kind of their their chief assassin and there's this uh this woman who is is um she's an arch priestess uh and and a gray haired older woman who recruited frank and and is i guess now his aide de camp or his his uh his conciliary uh so he comes back from doing this mission and she's like here's today's catch and there's all of these bound and gagged people who apparently were sinners from all over the world and and he decapitates them which is an odd i think it's an odd it's an odd thing i like it's it's weird that almost as if like he needs his fix like it's like oh here's your here's your dinner for the day like but whatever um and then they give us a flashback to weeks earlier to kind of i guess set us up and and basically uh he kills a bunch of hand who enter his apartment and it's all part of a recruitment process uh, and you're wondering, like, well, why did Frank join the hand? I guess you're supposed to wonder that. Like, why did he join the hand? Um, and, uh, you know, he's walking back into his dojo, and, like, you get the the old skull and crossbones, which is bloody, with bullet holes sitting on there, like, you know, sitting on an altar, like, like where he's, a, like, you know, where, where a samurai sword would normally be in this kind of situation, and then he's got all kinds of armament on his walls, like decorations, and... Um, and he's flashing back to his moments to decide this, and the and, and I don't know how you can talk about this issue without giving away the yeah I don't think you can because you're wondering like she's trying to lure him in and he's still not interested and finally uh, as he's as he's ending his day of his successful mission he's disrobing and he goes to climb into bed and there's a beautiful blonde woman laying in the bed for, waiting for him and he slides in next to her and she says I missed you my love and. The last page is, and again, fast forward if you don't want to be spoiled, is I Miss You Too, Maria. And it's his wife, and she's alive, but you can see the bullet holes in her face and her neck and her chest. She got shot in the cheek. Yeah. Wow. And so, of course, you're, and, you know, honestly, they don't explicitly explain this. So I, I, I do think Aaron assumes, and I'm okay with it, but he assumes that you know enough about Marvel history to know that the hand are known for resurrections. And you're to find out that basically Frank agreed to run, be a big part of the hand because they were able to resurrect his wife, his long lost wife. And it's so totally in character. I, I would think that that, that was an, the reveal was enough of a, Oh, now that's interesting maneuver to save the issue for me up until that moment. I was pretty much totally disinterested. Hmm. But but the reveal, I thought, okay, now that could be kind of interesting. Um, but but beyond that, I I I don't know that the change in costume to another costume that's all black with a skull is really much of a change. Like I don't know that that really changes the motif. I like I. I don't. I don't like. If that really was the purpose of this, I'm not sure it does anything. Like, I don't know why the alt right crew wouldn't just 
say, oh, dope, a new Punisher shirt. Let's get a new one. Like, I, I don't know that it's that much different. So, well, I, I don't think that group of people really care uh, because the, the, the skull has been misinterpreted to begin with. Yeah. Right? They, they all fly that, that symbol and they have no idea what it means like they they just think that oh well but yeah and that's where i said like you could go down a rabbit hole here like let's be fair frank is a deplorable amoral person like it's it like so there is nothing like i don't ascribe to the argument of like oh they're misusing the symbol the symbol is of a cold-blooded killer who takes great pleasure in murdering people for very very loose interpretation of doing things wrong like i don't like there's nothing morally redeeming about frank in any way shape or form I think you're being a little hard on Frank. I don't think so. He is a mass murderer. He, I mean, he like is the, a mass murderer. Yes, but with he, the code. he, right? He eliminates people that deserve to be eliminated. His code is loose. But like, the people who have co-opted innocent, but it's not like he's going around. You know, I mean, like he, he's a mass. He's a murderer of a, like in many renditions of the Punisher throughout the years, including, frankly, some of the better written ones, in my opinion. Like, dude will kill like like very very like not so sketchy people like he'll kill drug dealers he'll kill he'll kill like 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 muggers like people that are not you know like not like the the absolute most like brave people of the world it's like okay you want to argue that he's going to kill a a dictator sure or a mob boss okay but like frank has been like an insane vigilante in many renditions there's like like, let's let's please not go there and sort of trying to say that like the alt-right is wrong to 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 cop co-op the symbol because Frank is a pillar of virtue they misunderstand. Oh, nobody's like, saying he's exactly that. Exactly, character. Like if there was a character for douchebag alt writers to co-op for Marvel, it would be the Punisher. Like it, it would, but but the the fact that the Punisher has killed policemen in the fa- in in the past, I think if they knew that their 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 the the symbol that they're so proudly displaying, they also have the flag with the blue stripe next to it. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean the, the two things are not copacetic. Um, I, I think they're looking to the Punisher as, as someone who does what they have to do, regardless, like like with impunity, uh, just taking out people that they don't like. That's not what the publisher, the Punisher does. The Punisher takes out people that are bad, whether they be policemen, firemen, dictators, superheroes, like whatever, whatever. If he judges you to be bad, you're you're done. Right, but and, I mean, but Frank he kills people he thinks are bad, not, of course. not necessarily that society would deem as bad. Right. Well, I mean, he he only has his brain to guide him, right? As so, we're reading the stories, I mean, we I mean, know if someone if someone's insane. a pedophile, I mean, he is mad. He is a psychopathic. He is a psychopath. Yes. With, but he does have a, a, a somewhat skewed code. He yeah, he's, not, he's not walking into a bank blowing people away. Right. He's, I mean, he's, I, he's, there's nothing... He goes to... after the drug dealers, the pedophiles, the rapists. He's, yes. He's, he's, he's like Batman with a gun in that sense. But he's he still... It's... You know, so, so when so when you have Jerry Conway, when you have people who, who are telling these alt-right groups and these people who have decided to use the skull, it... They are, they support, they get behind groups and organizations that he would have no problem. He doesn't, he's not your friend. It's like the people who, who want to wear his skull, they think they're cool or they think, you know, oh, I, 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 I'm for his fight. It's like, dude, no. he would take you out in a heartbeat because 
you are not the type of person that he's rooting for. It's it's just it's, right. It is but, that, but, we, but people co-opt like pop culture symbology for sure, like lots of reasons. Like people wear Batman symbols, people wear Superman symbols. They're not living a life of well, Batman. Or just Superman. look at look at Calvin. Poor Calvin has been co-opted by these oh, idiots yeah, the too. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. all I'm saying is, is like is like I just don't. I just think it's a really like it's a it is a waste. It is a waste of time to argue whether or not the alt right like like should have co opted Frank's symbol. They did. Like that's the bottom line. Okay. Right? I mean, so as that with that as a starting point, I think it's admirable that Marvel recognizes that the symbol of one of their characters has been co opted by a bunch of not so savory people, and they're changing it to something else. Is it going to eliminate all those stickers? Of course it's not. But it just reinforces the fact that, number one, it was misinterpreted in the first place. Number two, there's something new, and now this thing is a little bit more removed. I'm not saying that Frank has just gained some kind of honor by working with you know, the hand. Of course not. But I, I just think it's neat that, that the publisher of, of creative fiction realizes that something has been maligned or appropriated by a group that doesn't deserve to be using it. And now we're just going to try and make something new. Like, this is creative. I applaud the attempt for sure. Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. think that, like... Will I, it like, do anything? Probably not. Right. And, yeah. and also, I don't, like, from a design perspective, I don't know that it's changed enough that... Like, it's still a skull. But it's, it's, still, it's Right, it is, but it's very Eastern. It is. It you is. Know, it is. I'm just so, saying, like, like, and and I'm, I, and I, I just like, would it surprise you at all if the next alt right nonsense we see on CNN, like, there aren't T-shirts of this symbol? No, but at least it's recognizing another culture other than American. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, <laughs> well, that's a start, that right? Any, I don't know that whatever East Asian culture this is supposed to be co-opting would be no, but to take representing it that way. I, but it's a symbol for taking the guns out of Frank's hand and putting swords in their stead. I would I've imagine all... there aren't many people of Japanese descent that would be super keen to be giving props to a company that basically portrays uh, the only time you ever see Japanese people are they're wearing ninja costumes and and killing for hire like like again like let's keep it 100 here i mean the hand is a, a stereotypical uh, <laughs> i mean it's 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 japanese it's a, it's an unending supply of of east asian assassins for hire like this is yes, not like but it's this an, is not a proud moment in, in asian culture of like representation but it's an honorable assassin it, it, it's a, it's an assassin that uses a weapon that needs skill to wield, like if you go into battle with a sword, you got to be good. You're not coming out. Uh, anybody can walk into battle with a friggin' gun. That that that's why we have armies. We train these guys for a couple of weeks. We put a gun in their hand and we send them out because it's easy to pull the trigger and shoot someone. If 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 all our soldiers use swords, the the military would be a whole lot different, my brother. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's a weapon you got to be skilled to use. And and I think that's for me that's the point of this that I like a lot is that Frank is not just using a, a battering ram to take people out. He's using a scalpel, a precision instrument that shows his facility with the tool, 
and the fact that it, it, it's not a game for everyone to play. It's, it's a game only for the skilled and the honorable. That's what I like about this. I'm not saying it's any good. I mean, to be honest, I haven't read it. But oh, okay. Now I'm looking at it here, and, and to see the the fact that they they've they've uh, abandoned the the firearms or the the high caliber weaponry, and now he has a sword. That's enough for me to to co-sign on this because I think that's a using a sword is a very honorable. You're you're not going to pull that sword from its sheath if you're gonna if you're not good enough. You're gonna die. I mean, I can't say that I think that we can conclude that since he's walking back into his hand room before he's about to get into bed with his wife, and on the walls are every measure of handgun of weapon, or bazookas, M sixteen, the skull. Right. Well, maybe he's just he's archived those. He's like those. These are uh, artifacts of a bygone era. Now I'm all about the sword. We all know this is not going to last. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like I like. I guess I'm struggling to give them too much credit because at the end of the day, this is about Marvel saying, well, damn, Punisher's an important IP for us. And like, I don't want to not be able to make Punisher comics anymore. How can we start making Punisher comics again? It's not like, oh my God, let's redefine this character so that we can like wrest this imagery from the hands of people we don't want to have. It's more like, well, fuck, like they've taken, now we can't sell this character anymore. Like, we got to figure out a way to sell him again. Yeah, like, so I it's, agree. It's purely economically driven. Oh, right? of course, yeah. But I mean, and, and even if, if you if, look at the issue, right? Yeah, the, I was just the, saying, if five years, you know, we don't see Punisher t-shirts being adorned by these ass clowns anymore, I, I suspect there'll be a relaunch where Frank's back into his old skull crawl. You know, like that. But right, but I'm looking at the issue and the flashback where he's being tested by the hand and he's the the ninja attack him. He's blowing them away. With oh, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah, so I mean, so if there are attempts to divest the character from its high caliber origins, that was the impetus for this issue. But then they kind of failed a little bit because there's a sequence in here where he's blowing people away with a gun. Right. So, right. yeah, yeah, and burning I mean, them alive. And so, I, and the archpriestess is taught she because she's the she's the uh, she's the narrator for a lot of the issue. You know, as he's doing that was a test. She 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 wanted to, and she's like, as I'm watching all of these. These assassins I've raised from children to be the best of their, you know, he's, you know, Frank's the, you know, the world's greatest mass murderer, and it's beautiful. It's like, you know, so it, I, mean, this, I, I don't this, think that that this uh, issue is still glorifying violence. It and is, it is. Death, so, but again, I find that somewhat suspect because I don't think a priestess of uh, a martial arts organization would embrace someone blowing away somebody with a gun. They would think Man, that's weak. That's easy. Where's the skill? Where's the training in that? Where where where's the finesse? There's none, right? So, but the, the whole thing of the sword, like I'm completely enamored with the samurai. These sure. guys, these guys were really good, and they wouldn't just pull out their sword on a whim. They would use it as the the last resort, because they they knew once that sword came out, they'd either have to kill or be killed. Like Frank can can just cock his gun and go blasting people away and it's easy like there's no respect in that there's no honor in that because the bullet is the ultimate nullifier right it's going to kill whatever it contacts and it's easy to just pull that trigger and get it done with a sword not so easy and i i like this approach again am i saying that it's any good not really i don't know i haven't read it but the the premise 
sounds intriguing to me. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, like I said, the hook of his wife being alive is interesting to me. Right, me too, yeah. Because it's never been done. And sure, I mean, comics is all about resurrecting dead people. But, like, this was never done. And really, this this is... I mean, the Punisher wouldn't exist without her being killed. So, what about the what about his daughter? Is his daughter? I want to see I don't his know, daughter. But it, do, it does raise the question of: Does this imply that he's? Because you can't make the argument that his, with his wife being back, like he's soothed. Like he's not soothed. Like he just he's still a, he's still he still went out and, and and is is murdering giant groups of people and then coming back to the right the home and then well, well now war for like maybe that would be the deal. Well, I'll maybe keep her alive. You do what we want. Oh, that's no, nice. Of yeah, that's no, nice. Of course, that's the deal. But I'm saying, but like, so it's so it's so it, it's it would be interesting to me if if we saw her her returning to his life, how that would change him, and maybe we will see that. But 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 based on what we saw in this issue, he's a different kind of killer now. But he's still like yeah. an incredibly efficient killer you know what you you take the all the all the guns and the handguns and all that shit off the streets and you put swords in the hands of people it's not an axe my brother you got to use this with skill with finesse or you or you're gonna die right but it go let's let's acknowledge that and i love me some good katana in uh, movies don't worry don't don't, no argument there but like that was the weapon of choice back then because machine doesn't didn't exist yeah it was also a more honorable time too yeah so, um well, okay. once they invented and the ninja weren't honorable i mean right uh, the ninja, yeah the ninja were assassins for hire but they, they were... again they still had magnificent training i mean they were human weapons okay, they, they didn't need a bullet i mean i mean lots of lots of the what? most Wait, dangerous what? people on our country in our world now have codes that they skills live not honorable no what's what's no, honorable about a skill I got. I got to disagree with that. You train for for the the better part of your life to do one specific the, thing. The, the hired assassins that use guns to kill people don't train their whole lives to be experts in those weapons and hand yeah, combat. But see, I, I got to discount that because I don't think it's very. Uh, yeah, you can be a great marksman. Whatever you're, you're using, basically a tool that guarantees. Like, um, like, like, uh, like. Okay, like, let's look at some talking about fiction here. Like, James Bond isn't skilled. He doesn't have honor. James Bond doesn't just go firing off at every James situation. He shoots people in every movie. What are you talking about? He does, but only because he's being shot at. He doesn't pull Which the gun. Is because that's the weapon. My point is, like, you're, you're, you are conflating the reason these weapons were the, the choice of their at the time is because that was the best weapons they had at the time. They had bows and arrows and swords and knives. That's what they had. Yes, they and even if they had machine guns and rocket launchers. Well, they also had crossbows. You don't see a ninja going into battle with a goddamn crossbow. Right, they also had bows, which is a much more efficient well, weapon than a, tons of depictions of ninja using bows. Yeah, again, it's better to die by the sword. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, if I'm, you like, if you kill me with I a guess sword, my point is, is if you're, if you're really get, like you're you're conflating samurai code of ethics and honor with with ninja, like they're two yeah, totally they're two different totally ways. different. You're Ninjas right. have no honor. They have a code that they live by, but they have no. They're not honorable. They are murderers for hire. Mm, like yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, like in. Like samurai have honor, right? Like samurai live and die by a code of honor that yes. they are beholden to, probably almost like to a fault. Yes, you are correct. Right. I can't. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I right. can't counter that. 
Yeah, You're right. But the point is, is like I don't want Daff hasn't talked at all. Like, and I know he's the biggest. He's the he's the Punisher mark. Like I like I, I thought this was fine, and like I read it more out of curiosity because it was Aaron, and I wanted to see like how they were going to approach this. But I'm not sticking with it. Like I thought the first page was like the last page was really was interesting for sure. But like I'll wait to hear you. Like if it if if people talk about it like becoming like a great run, if like 20 issues in, someone's like, holy shit, Aaron's like having one of those you know all time great Punisher runs. Yeah, then I'll probably go back and check it out. But like. But like I'm good. Like I didn't. Th- this was not. <laughs> this this felt very gimmicky to me. Personally. Uh, um. I. I don't know. With 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 me, I. There's a certain thing I like when it comes to. I mean, I've I've. I was there when. They had the whole thing in Peter Parker where he's firing the rubber bullets, he's just shooting jaywalkers because he's yeah, you know, it, it, there were drugs and he was crazy and <laughs> and then it was the whole um then, then we get, you know, the ongoings by Baron and Dixon and and uh, Yeah, I think which, I, do, we all, do we all agree that, that- and his Punisher's best Punisher. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because he tra- that's he treated him the closest to what he would actually be, which is right. Don't kill and, and it was and, and and when you know the Marvel Knights run ran its course and that was fine and he kind of kept to himself and then they gave us Max because that was able that was that was where he was completely separate from the six one six and 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 yes he was still Marvel Universe but it was more real and actually had consequences and i i enjoyed that, that those were my favorite punisher stories yeah. and when we get into um the mystical and and it's that's where i'm not saying that's where you lose me but that's that's a little bit of a little bit of a disconnect for the character for me i i know when this isn't Jason Aaron's first time with the character. He did a great Punisher Max story, and 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 we got to the root of what makes Frank tick. And there's there's there are things here in this first issue that haven't been done with the character before, so that's a neat hook. I I, I really I I don't see. Maria surviving the series when when this series ends, mm-hmm. he's yeah. going. It's it, it's just it's it's reverting back to the status quo we're used to. Um, well, so it's just it's going to add to Frank's angst, trauma. Yes, and his mm-hmm. angst. And it's like you know, I had I had her back. She's gone again. He's 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 going to just pick up the mantle and 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 that's fine. So I'm I'm okay. Just like I was just talking about with Doctor Strange stuff. I'm. Okay, we're going to mix things up a little bit, and 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 that's fine. We we're mm-hmm. we're trying to keep things fresh. It is just a character that you know people are a fan of, and we want to do something different with them, and that's cool. You know, I I don't know, I don't know if we've seen the hand much in in Zdarsky's Daredevil run. I I don't know if we've seen the hand much recently. Period. But um, who does some of ninjas? Yeah, I mean you do. Because, I mean because because Elektra is is Daredevil now and. There's a whole thing, but yeah. Okay, um, but they're not they're not present. Yes, I mean, of course, Frank takes them all out when they're in his apartment. But you know, they're not they're not the Foot Clan. They're not bumbling around 
being stupid. So it, it's they, they they appear to be a threat. Uh, Jesus, uh, I just the foot plant sitting somewhere being like, "What did I do? What did I? I know, I know, you, you exist." But it's I don't. I thought the uh, I thought the intro by Paul was great. The, the the those opening pages that we're all familiar with, but um, I wish he illustrated the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I get the idea where you know they're doing the flashbacks, but even I mean, they just did that flashback, and and because even when you cut two weeks earlier, while Frank is still Frank before yeah, he joins the hand, not, it's like it's still right. it's still Jesus's work. So it's like yeah, we're, much we're bigger really fan of yeah. yeah, big time. Um, yeah. I it's it's uh, I, I yeah I'll 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 it's the Punisher. I'll be here for the second issue. Um, so we'll we'll. We'll see. I just, um, it's, it's kind of what I expected we were going to get when I heard the news of the new series, but, um, and, and sometimes, you know, when you get what you expect that, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's happy. And then there's sometimes where you get what you expect. And you're like, yeah, that's what I, that's what I figured. And that that's fine for other people. But, um, yeah, it, it didn't, it didn't knock me on my ass, but, um, but I, I know what Jason's capable of doing, and um, and I mean, it's yeah, I, I uh, it's weird. I it, it for a first issue for a Punisher book, it felt like Punisher in spots, but not uh, not totally, which I'm sure was intentional. Um, so yeah, I it's it's neat, but um, it's I, I can't really say it's. It's a pun. It it still just feels like it's it's uh, kind of a what if e kind of book for me right mm, now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what if that, yeah. what, what 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 if Maria had survived? What if what if right? What if Frank became the head of the hand? Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. a it's a bit you too saying that they're going to take Helter Skelter back. Like no, I don't think you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> you're really not gonna. But no, I think the Punisher works exceedingly well when he's removed from the 616 absolutely because let's be honest if 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 frank was walking how many times has captain america came up to his face but that's bullshit it it, if frank existed in the the 616 that's still one of the things that bothers me about civil war they would have just sent the sentry go kill this motherfucker and then we're done like the sentry would have taken frank out in a second listen when I, I, I will say though, I did I did appreciate. I mean, even yes, of course, we had Frank and Castle, but I did appreciate what Remender did. Oh, that's great! Though he he did, you know, he he had he had Frank like just fuck around, and found out, and and he had yeah. all, everybody's gadgets, and and you know, he just used all the supers' powers and abilities, and it's like, and he got shit done. That was a neat way to have Frank in. The Marvel Universe. I appreciated right. Remender's take. But as soon as you include like Wolverine or Spider-Man, or, you know, th- there are characters within the 616 that would never allow Frank to do what he does. Mm-hmm. It's just they mm-hmm. wouldn't, right? And and the, the, the power levels of the characters, especially the Sentry and others, are off the scale. Frank would not be around for very long. I mean, you could you can fool yourself and say, "Oh, yeah, Frank's Frank's like Batman light. He could get out of it." No, he really can't. So, so when when Punisher Max just pulled Frank out of the six one six, those stories are great because yeah, sure. then yeah. then then the possibilities of them actually happening are are more vivid. They're more real. They're more possible. But yeah, Frank cannot exist in the six one six. It ain't happening. No. no. 
No. He'd be either in jail or dead. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That was great. Thank you for bringing that up, Jason. You brought it up. No. You brought up the Punisher. I I was <laughs> not going to talk really, about this really issue. Didn't. I didn't, though. I, I brought it up. Dap brought it up. Oh, well, we thank you, Dap, for doing yeah, it. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Dap was like, oh, wait, there's actually a couple things we can collab on. And then he's like, how about the phone? Yeah, well, thank you, 19 Crimes. Yeah. But anyway, uh-huh. hey, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode. Remember, if you want to get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. Go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. They have the books you want at the price you're going to, you want to pay, and you're going to pay it. From Image, 8 Billion Genies, number one, by Ryan Brown and Charles Sewell. You know it's going to be great. Dark Horse is serving up the Shaolin Cowboy in a new miniseries called Cruel to Be Kin, <laughs> number one of seven. Uh, there will be many, many lines in this book. And, last but not least, order this because I will be talking about it. Seven Seas uh, Colorless, volume one by Kent. In your travels, I hope that Jason will join me right now in talking about a little book just released Written by Jeff Lemire. Art by Dustin Wen. It's called Little Monsters. This was a strange first issue. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was. yeah, it was. Oh, you read it too, Dap? Yeah, I did. Awesome. So we all can taxi him mm-hmm. on this. Um, basically, there's a bunch of kids that have fun at night. Why? Because they're vampires. And they're waiting for something to come back. Something called the Elder. Um, they they play at night. They, 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 they do their little escapades. They sing. They go scrounging around for stuff. There's, uh, they, they, they eat rats because rats have blood. And, and you know, that's sustenance for them. But um, it looks like it's a post-apocalyptic thing. Um, the, the, the world's not looking too great in this. Um, we're introduced to all these kids and then uh, it seems that there's no living humans in the proximity, but at the end, there is. And it's something that that surprises them because they didn't think there was anybody left alive. Jason probably enjoyed it because it's getting the band together issue. Like we're, you know, we're introduced... yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 saving grace for me. I, I thought that the first issue was a little thin. I thought it was is an odd uh, way to begin the first issue, where most of the the issue was taken up with just the 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 night to night escapades of these kids. They play games. They play capture the flag. They 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 search for for vermin on which to 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 sate their bloodlust uh i mean you wouldn't even know they were vampires had they not um dined on these rats one of the kids is very artistic uh likes to um it's a black and white book but when this kid uh 
plies his 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 trade. It's there's there's flashes of color, which is neat. Uh, the moon is always in color. Uh, it looks like a blood moon. I, again, I think the saving grace is Dustin Wynn's artwork. It's it's very accomplished storytelling. Very, very beautiful. Manga-esque in that it's black and white and there's screen tones applied to it. But um, I thought the visuals are great. The storytelling is a bit... Um, I don't want to judge it based on the first issue because we know there's more to come. But as a hook... I thought more could have been done to 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 pull me into this world. It I, it was a, it was it was fun. It was enjoyable. But did it intrigue me on a level that made me want to read the next issue? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm waiting to see what you guys say. Uh yeah, I mean as much as I am the uh the the known Jeff Lemire mark, I agree with everything you're saying. I I um I mean I knew that I wouldn't dislike the book because uh i mean as a team i I don't know that they're capable of giving me something i'm going to totally like hate but um but i'm with you i thought given the premise and the name of the book and all that it was i think you said it right it was light the first issue was i'm left i'm left at the first issue thinking not much of clarity on what the book's about like like i don't even know the the genre or, or the or the the motif or the like, because it really did feel to me like, like Dustin and Jeff did a coordinated zoom watch of uh, like stand by me, you know, and then they were like, oh, yeah. like, you know, and then like, and like, Oh, but let's put a twist on it. Okay. Let's, what if they were vampire, you know? And, and, I've, I've, and again, I, that, that sounds like I'm sure, as you said, as this goes on, it's going to get much more intriguing and fully formed, but in a world where, you know, first issues and then you're out. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that this had the hook that's going to lure in people that aren't just already going to do. It. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to read anything that Jeff, Jeff does. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but I, but I, I don't at all disagree with the idea that if you're just like, oh, let me see what this is about, you're gonna, you, I could totally get people being like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. There's not much there. So. Yeah, I, 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 I get that. Yeah, it's very hard to illustrate children, to capture the youth of children. Like any, anybody can can draw a human, you know, shrunk down to child size and pass. Like we've seen a, a million uh, adult babies in comics, like where they just <laughs> don't get the fact that this is not, you know, an adult. It, it, it's a baby and it's a very specific organism that has very specific Features. John Byrne, we're looking at you. Exactly, right? But, I mean, when I think, really slaughters it with, with the depiction of the kids. It's mm-hmm. very well done, especially the, the twins. Um, and, think, and it's fair to say that, that, that Nguyen, much like Scotty, has made quite a, a part of his career out of drawing childlike characters. Right, but this is not cartoony. No, it's not. You're right. That, Although, but, but keep in mind that, that he spent the last, what, six years drawing ascender and descender right which is the the, the uh, one of the one of the protagonists if not the the protagonist depending on your read of the book is is a child so uh, i mean you know i love a good vampire story so yeah i i will continue to read this but there was nothing in this first issue other than the art that compelled me to to 
want that second issue right now. It almost felt like a zero issue. Yeah. But it's extended too, which is I I just mm-hmm. think they spent a lot of pages just doing stuff that could have been shown in in a lot less pages. Um give us something a little more uh compelling or intriguing about this world other than the fact that there's nobody around, these kids are vampires and they're waiting for something to come back. Like, okay, mm-hmm. that's 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 enough for me, but uh, I, has, I, I hazard to guess that the other um, less tr- less uh, infused with horror uh, genre readers will be like, eh, this, okay, whatever. Yeah. That's not a ringing endorsement of it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but damn, if Little Monsters no- number one doesn't look great. Okay, there you go. It does. It does. It, yeah. it looks great. But yeah, I, can, no, I agree with everything you guys said. Yeah, I can imagine Dab coming away from this singing. Yeah, okay, whatever. No, I mean, I it's it's. I think um, I I I was. I would have liked a little bit more color because I know what Dustin can do. But um, no, get that out of here. But it it. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey. I mean, it it was it was. It was slow and deliberately so. It it wasn't, uh, but it yeah. I just there was there were things there that um, I I wasn't. Nothing really knocked the the, the story the, the the events that took place, how how the kids are treating one another. Nothing really, uh, nothing shocked me or, or or came out of left field. I I was kind of just already in the world and and just i was i was a spectator and it was um i was kind of just waiting and uh it it's it's knowing what these two creators can do um and and maybe that was unfair i should just Mm -hmm. judge this thing on its own and and see where it goes but uh we've had years of them working together and and um and i guess it's and and that's on me you know it's just unfair that i was expecting um maybe something to really punch me in the face or grab me and and um and it if the, it, it i don't want to say it didn't but it just yeah. it, there wasn't enough if the goal was to impart the fact that vampires are people too into readers then this issue succeeded because these kids act like kids but they're just they just have a a need for blood yeah, and they're you know okay, and I did, I, but they I, do we, things that you wouldn't exp- you would expect kids to do. They they yes. poke fun at each other. They yep. you know they push each other around. They 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 bust each other's balls. Like this is this is what kids do. Uh, yeah, I, I thought the most telling uh, sequence was the kid playing the guitar, okay. where where the girls just like, hey, you want to do this? He's like, whatever. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is it okay if I just sit here and listen? He's like, yeah, whatever. Like, if you have eternal life, you're going to be a bit disaffected because, mm-hmm. like, the average goings-on doesn't really matter to you because your 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 lifespan is so long. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah, this... Yeah, th- this, not to get an advantage of it, Anne Rice did an amazing... That was, like, one of the things she did really well with her right. family books. Yeah. You're right. she, made, she made it very clear how, like, things just became so... Dis- uninteresting to them because they've been around for so long right now what what surprises a person that's been around for a hundred years not a whole hell of a lot 
Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, on that front, I thought the issue was 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 good in 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 that it just gives you a, a an insight into the longevity of these creatures that mm. they've been around for a long time. They're they're pretty much unflappable. The kid, one of the kid, falls off uh, a very high high distance. Like it would have killed me. And he's like, "Oh, it's going to take all day to heal from this. So you fucked me up for a day, but I'll be <laughs> I'll be okay tomorrow." So I thought it was good, but it's not Lemire good. Mm, okay. I like I, I, I like how it book it. I, I like how we're introduced to the kids at the beginning, and then we're seeing them at the end of the issue. And and I, I, yeah, I, I'll I'll read the second issue. Um, but yeah, no, what, what you just said, it's um, that that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm such an idiot. Why? Because I published. <laughs> I published the post instead of updated it. I'm so, I'm so stupid. You silly buddy. Oh, well. Um, I mean, you could always hmm. make it a draft again. How do you do that? But, I mean, it's okay. I don't care. You just, go back to the... Nah, nah screw it. Just, just keep going. Because um, then you're going to have people like, where's the episode? Where's the link? Yeah, you just uh, wait for it. In the, yeah, because they'll hear this after the fact. Um... <laughs> So the uh, um, Star Trek Discovery came back to to, to finish up the uh, its its fourth season and and Star Trek Picard second episode second second season. What do you think of the fourth season? I'm I'm enjoying the fourth season of Discovery. I um, I there's there's uh, the I know we're going to see. I believe we're going to to, to see the uh, the reveal of of. Um, of the aliens, I think tomorrow night or, or, or this week, and then I think there's maybe one more episode to go before the season ends. But um, I'm I'm enjoying the fourth season. Um, it do, it doesn't take much for me to enjoy what we're getting. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, but no, I think I, knowing what we I third season was all about them getting acclimated to the 32nd century and 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 trying to find Starfleet and. Um, and now that the, the and, and the cruise is kind of splintered because uh, Tilly left the ship and um, and and Bryce is uh, is going to work with uh, Doctor Kovic a little bit. So I mean the the, the crew is kind of um, in some spots leaving leaving the ship, um, and I I'm 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 enjoying it, watching it evolve and and. In real time, because I could watch old episodes of original series or Next Generation or Deep Space Nine, and I know where we're going. It and it'd be nice to revisit some of these things here. It's it's still new, so I'm I'm just going along for the ride, seeing what they're throwing at us, and um, I'm 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 and the fact that nothing is. Um, Nothing is black and white. There, uh, almost all the characters have shades of gray, and and what book is doing, and what uh, the, what how they're trying to handle the uh, the anomalies with the tense. It's just I'm, I'm really enjoying what uh, what they're giving us so far, and I'm, I'm I'm curious to see how how this season is going to end, and if we're going to get like a some sort of closure, or if we're going to cliffhang 
the fourth season as as and continue it in, in into the fifth. So I'm I'm curious about that. And then the uh, the premiere of Picard second season hit last week, and um, and that was pretty tense. It it's it. Yeah, I think I, part of me thinks you know if you didn't bother with the first season of Picard, you could probably just jump right in hmm. with the second episode, with the first episode of the second season, and um, and you'd be better off too. Well, yeah, if you're Vince <laughs> and you and and you, and you piss all over the last episode of the oh, first season, then yes, my dude, uh, I love you so much that last episode was bullshit. It was, was, he should uh, have died. He yes, should have died. I don't. I don't, I don't disagree. We we know why we know that the, the, yeah. the whole thing was introduced. Just we knew where it was going. Yeah. I get it. Um, I did watch Picard season two uh, episode one. What did you think? I thought it was very good. I mean the Borg, it, holy shit! It, I just, it, I, it did a lot to to remove that disgusting okay. taste of that last episode. <laughs> wow, All right. D- okay. dude, the last episode's no, horrible. I mean, I, it's I, fucking I'm not, horrible. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with you. I, it's I mean, everything. Mission. No, it's everything you hate about Star Trek. Oh, we we fixed it. Like you shouldn't have fixed it. He should have no, died. Yeah. It would have yes. been the best fucking year of Star Trek ever if they let him die. Just let him die. He's old. Yeah, I really <laughs> thought it was going to be one and done anyway because yeah. he's old. I mean, yeah. it's like it's like just he wanted to do like one little like the one whole, more season, right? Go out and the whole thing with the vineyard. Oh come on, the vineyard was great. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> he needs I it all. He needs. But they had Troy. He's in the Doctor Strange movie too. So my dude's still working. Yes, he is. No, I, I don't want him to stop working. I just right. there, there's a, a point it's okay where to say goodbye to Picard. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. right. No, I, I don't. After agree. everything he went through in that first season, for him to die a noble, fitting death would have been yeah, great. great. It would have been great. Yep. But no, they can't let their IP go. So, uh, <laughs> all that said, in your travels, I, uh, I I read the first issue of Star Trek Discovery Adventures. In the 32nd century, uh, this is uh, written by Mike Johnson, no stranger to IDW's Trek work. Art by uh, Angel Hernandez, another person who's done work for the franchise. Um, this issue, the, the Adventures in the 32nd Century, appears to be an anthology of sorts where um, each issue is going to kind of spotlight somebody uh, in the crew or uh, or members of the cast. Um, the first issue which I was really looking forward to, uh, is all about and is told from the perspective of the queen herself, Grudge the Cat, Booker's Cat. Um, and the art's fantastic. Hernandez does a real good job of um, capturing Booker and Burnham and without, you know, taking you out of it because it looks like, you know, it's it's a traced image um from one of titan's magazines it's it i wasn't taken out of of the story being told but the uh the issue is just it's i want to say it's cute because it is it's it grudge is just talking about her life before discovery came around uh what what, what she and booker were up to um the, the adventures they got into, uh, how he may have overstepped, or um, how she has to remind him who's in charge here, uh, as cats do. And then she's uh, when when Michael comes on board and 
and grudge isn't too keen on that and then of course in the in the um there's a time when bookship is docked in uh discovery's shuttle bay and and uh so there's a few pages where that's referenced and and grudge is walking around the ship and she's seeing dr colber and she barge she kind of just makes her way into saru's quarters and he's like i how the hell did you get in here and um she's grudge seems to be fine with statements because he's uh he's talking to to jet and she's like and and, and he sees grudge and he's like what is that and jet's like it's a cat you know that's a lot of cat because everybody kind of comments on grudge's size and, and he's like no, i'm aware it's a cat but what is it doing here and grudge is basically she uh she she respects paul at that point because uh he uh he, he his tone is entitled and dismissive and he's basically in charge of his domain and she she's absolutely fine with that she's they they, they have they have common interests there um she uh she doesn't fare well when the spore drive kicks in and uh and and she um she makes her feelings known about that there's a whole thing where she kind of saves the ship not discovery she shapes she saves um book ship uh but it it's it's a really um and and the last page i i, I smile but uh no the, i i thought it was a it was a neat first issue just to, to kind of set the tone for what they're going to do um i'm looking forward to the next issue because it's uh they talk about um adira and gray but uh no i think hernandez's art really works here they, angel does a great job on on drawing grudge um but you know it's it i don't know what more you could expect from a story being told from the point of view of a cat and uh and and who doesn't love it it's it's life on a uh on, on a spaceship so it's uh, i yeah in your travels if you're uh if you're into the franchise check out Star Trek Discovery Adventures in the 32nd Century number one. And this is from IDW, I'm guessing? IDW. Nice. Uh, Well, in your travels, uh, it's going to be ironic because for the first time in months, Dap didn't bring up this comic, but I'm going to. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Let me guess. I didn't because I... I, I'm typing Superman, son of Kal-El. Exactly. I didn't get the issue yet. So yeah. Okay, read Superman, Son of Kal-El, number nine, written by uh, Art Blue, Tom Taylor, with art by uh, Mabu Bruno Redondo, with Wade Von Badger on inks, which is interesting. Um, this is, The reason I'm bringing it up is because it is part two of the Nightwing Kal-El crossover. you got to tread carefully. Talked- we talked about the first what? Why? You, because Dap didn't read it yet. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah, no, no. This is just this is the second part of the crossovers. Is why I picked it up, and this is, uh, this is shit. It was wonderful. I, I, I mean, I, I again, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I think Nightwing is one of the best superhero comics on the stands, and I think Redondo is just crushing it as a an artist. It's like he's bringing in these like really interesting Chris Ware kind of style, like like uh, like panels that that show sort of a character in motion but but obviously doing it in a superhero setting and yeah, I thought it was great you know and and uh, I mean no surprise I really enjoyed the first issue and I enjoyed what Tom Taylor puts down on 
on script usually, so uh, this is more of that. There are there's a, obviously some developments and cliffhangers that I won't get into because Dap hasn't read it and I know it's his baby. So <laughs> let him it on no, but, I uh, think you should go beat by beat. Tell us all about it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, it looks terrific, man. And uh, Why are you like this? You know, so. <laughs> all right. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jason. I did. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for being here with us. We hope you will come back next week uh, or sooner. Uh, in the meantime, if you just can't get enough, go to Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook. We're all over that thing. All those things. Uh, Spotify, Podchaser, iTunes, everywhere. It's soon to come to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the meantime... Do dap a huge solid and say good night. My goodness. Come on, that was deft. I did that with precision. <laughs> David. God. Good night. At least I didn't ape rush. <laughs> I think you've missed it. Nope. What? I didn't. Says you. David. Nice. I'll give you that one. Oh, thanks, man. Because you're super cute. I appreciate uh-huh. it. Yeah. It's true. Um, maybe we'll be in your ears before next uh, Thursday. We'll see. Yeah, who knows? Never say never. Yeah, we've got a lot of ground to cover. But uh, come back next week because we'll be here waiting with uh, bated breath for your return with a sandwich and or a hot or cold beverage. A sandwich? Who, like, a, like a chicken parm? Everybody. It, it doesn't matter. It's a free sandwich. A grinder? Grinder. A hoagie? Sub. Wedge. Here no. Whoever start calling it a wedge. A wedge is something you put between something to keep it from, you know. They were hoagies where I grew up. Right. They're always hoagies. And I'm I'm very sorry (laughs) for publishing the post before the time. Are you, though? Uh, Yeah, because I'm stupid. I just hit the button. (sighs) Yeah, that's stupid. Out of here. We love you. That's it for that one.